Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to ScreenSpeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and as always, thank you, thank you so much for coming by and checking out today's episode. If you haven't done one of these things already, well, it's plug time, so I'm going to be plugging away right now. Please go ahead and follow the podcast and hit the bell on whatever it is that you're listening to this on, whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Stitcher. Uh, There's a lot of different podcast services that are out there, but any one of them to hit the follow button and the bell on is perfectly fine because... It all goes towards supporting the growth of ScreenSpeak, so please go ahead and do that. It would be super, super helpful, and I'm not just saying that because this is all data tracked, right? Not like you personally, like I'm not, I don't know what you're doing, but I can tell that you're listening to the podcast and it helps to promote the growth of it, so please, please do that. Uh, If you like social media, most of us do out there, or at least do a little bit of it. I actually recently just uh, added timers on my social media because I did I didn't realize how much time I was spending on it, and my my phone told me recently it was like, hey, uh, you're spending like I don't know like an hour a day or something like that, and I'm like an hour a day times like however you know many days there are in the year and years, uh, you know you add up add it up have an existential crisis, and then you're like, okay, I think I got to put a timer on, so that's what I did, but that's not what I want you that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and check out the podcast on its social media platforms. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is where it's at for the moment. Eventually, and maybe due to popular demand, I will expand to other territories being Twitter uh, or maybe even TikTok. Um, I, I don't know. Do you want the podcast to be anywhere else? I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. You can always let me know at the podcast email, which is in the description of this episode. But in any case... Follow the podcast, follow the social media, and that will all be very much appreciated. Uh, appreciated, uh, and and yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for the plugs. Uh, On to the actual episode. Very special episode for you all today. Uh, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm sure I say that before, uh, but this one is a special one and one that I'm actually very excited to talk about and promote. Uh, Because I am joined on this episode by independent film festival directors Eric Fries and Scott Chrisman of the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. The Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival, for those that may not be familiar with it, and I admit myself, I heard about it, heard rumblings of it, um, but I've never actually been to it. So I definitely got a lot more insight by talking to the directors of the festival uh, in an effort not only to just promote their festival, but also to learn about how the festival works and so on and so forth. Uh, But I learned quite a bit about the festival, so I'll give you the key highlights right now before we get into the episode. So first things first, the festival itself will be running from April 14th to April 16th of 2023. Uh, All the festival information, including its website, uh, its prices, how you can volunteer, how you can donate, you can check out all the social media for the festival, all of that is in the description of this episode. Uh, But what I will tell you just from a high level is that this year they have 51 films that they're going to be screening. And I don't panic right away. They're they're not all full-length feature films. There's plenty of short films, even a few music videos that are chucked in there. Uh, So plenty of different content from a variety of different filmmakers. Uh, So truly something for everybody. 
Uh, and all of them have an Iowa-based connection in the films, whether it's someone in the production that was you know, from Iowa or they uh, had their schooling done here, uh, something like that. Uh, but there's a lot of different, uh, different flavor at the festival this year, I'm being told. Take a look at the website. Take a look at everything on there. Uh, I can also tell you just from a price perspective, it's very affordable and very doable. Uh, the adult full event, so basically just a full festival pass, it's $35 pre-show and then $45 after April 13th, 2023. Uh, and then students have a discount price for the full event being $25 pre-show and then $35 after uh, April 13th of 2023. But anyways... All that information is in the description of this episode, so definitely look at that uh, either while you're listening or afterwards and support these guys and support Iowa and the uh, independent film scene here. That would mean a lot, of course, to them, uh, but then also to myself, and if you're able to tell them that you heard about the festival through ScreenSpeak, that would be even better. Let me tell you about the conversation that I had with these guys. So Eric and Scott, they were very generous with their time. They let me ask pretty much anything that I wanted to talk about. And we talk about quite a bit of things. Uh, the episode itself, it runs for a little over two hours. Uh, so even if you can't listen to the whole thing in one sitting, that's okay. You can chunk this out, listen to it 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. You got plenty of time to listen to it before the festival happens. So definitely uh, don't be intimidated by the runtime of this. But I promise you it's well worth it. We talk about everything from just the background of Eric and Scott, like how they, you know, where they grew up, where they kind of uh, got their start with uh, film and, and kind of how they got uh, more involved with it over the years. Uh, we talk about, of course, the festival itself and kind of get a behind the scenes look, if you will. Uh, to a lot of the logistics and operations that come with uh, running and operating the festival that, you know, to the common person, they, they might not really be seeing all those challenges, but I think it's really interesting to hear them talk about it. Uh, we talk about some of the successes that have come from the festival and just some of the exciting things that take place at the festival and, and what really makes it stand out uh, apart from other independent film festivals. Really, really, I mean, it's just really cool stuff. Uh, we have some skittles and pretzels throughout the episode, so if you hear a little bit of you hear a little bit of crunching from time to time, that's just because uh, you know Scott and Eric they're enjoying the snacks as well as myself. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I'm just I'm really pleased with the episode. I, I really think you all are going to enjoy listening to it. Uh, and the main takeaway that I have from this introduction is this. Check out the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. Once again, all the information is in the description of this episode. Uh, and, and that's really all I got to say in this introduction. So, drum roll please. Without any further ado, this is my conversation with Eric Fries and Scott Chrisman, directors of the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. Let's do it. <music> Yeah. Do you know what flavor they are? Nope. What's your guess? Gonna test your skills, knowledge. They're too dark for tropical. I, I think. Mm. I love how serious you're taking. <laughs> you're, you're really. I'm well, not up. classic because there's no yellow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I have no idea. Say like, uh, 
berries. Yeah, berry the, wi- the wild berry. Wild berries. Okay. Yeah, okay. The Skittles is not at all a sponsor of this, but you know they might hear this and be thrilled that I'm mentioning. Sure, it. Skittles a long time. <laughs> I say my eight year old could tell you what they were. He could probably pick out each flavor. Really? Yeah, he loves Skittles. Yeah, it's yeah. His favorite candy. No, Skittles are delicious. Have you guys had these? The the Snyder's cheese pretzels. No, I was kind of curious about that. Myself. Yeah, feel free. I, I, I don't even. It, there might be there might be a little crunching in the audio. I don't even know. The listeners can take it. Um, so we had appreciate uh, employee appreciation uh, week this week at work. That's nice. So they brought everyone their favorite beverages and favorite snacks. I had asked for pretzels, so I got this big bag of uh, Dots original. The Dots are, they're very good, but they're they're a little addicting. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? Yeah. It's like now, do you do well with portion control? Nope. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. Because if the bag is in front of me, like it, it's gonna the whole thing's gonna go away. If it, I portion it out, it's safer. It's been sitting on my week or sitting on my desk this week, and <laughs> just kind of like, all right, well, all right, I'm waiting for something to render. So, all right, let's open it. Some more of those. And uh, it's Scott. What is your favorite snack? Oh boy! If it was Employee uh, Appreciation Week for you. Well, I do enjoy the uh, the corn chips. Okay. Some good, good bag of Doritos, maybe or yeah. They're trying to be a little healthier though, so uh, apples has been okay. I got some behind some you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome to it. Uh, probably, oranges. I had, had my fill of apples. I think, but <laughs> okay. Spiral cut apples, um, and then uh, mixed nuts. Is yeah. good. That's good. My wife got me. I was just thinking about your portion control thing there. I, yeah. She got me a big jar for Valentine's <laughs> Day, and I noticed last night it's about halfway gone already. So. Mm-hmm. Doesn't well, take very much. Well, I appreciate both of you guys uh, for seriously coming on. Um, this really means a lot to me. I hopefully I think it'll mean a lot to uh, the people that follow the Cedar Rapids Film Festival, uh, and of course, just have a, a love for movies and especially to trying to support their local uh, entertainment enthusiasts and the people that actually actually practice it. Right. You bet. Um, so I wanted to start off our conversation by talking about the background for you guys. You know, just give my listeners a little bit of context about who you are, what you do, and that whole thing. Sure. Scott, you want to... <laughs> who, who I am, what I do. Yeah, who wow, are you? That's pretty big. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, well, I've always, always had a love for movies, and I, I came of age at a time when suddenly that was in our grasp in a way that it hadn't been in a long... or ever... Um, you know, some people had the, the Super 8 and things like that. I was uh, little when VHS and camcorders were just kind of coming on to the consumer area here. And my cousins had some, and so we had fun at uh, family gatherings and things, making a little short film and doing something silly. And uh, So that was, that was fun. Uh, but I always loved movies. And then as I uh, grew up and went, went to college... Uh, went into a communications program and ended up going through like a PR marketing degree, but always had that thought of, you know, I'd like to be involved with movies somehow and how can I do that? And so, yeah, just kind of led us this direction. Um, but yeah, no, I love watching movies and participating in creative things of all kinds. So uh, it's been it's been good. Awesome. Awesome. Eric, how about you? Who are you? 
Um, so, you know, I started out, when I was a little kid, we had a Super 8 camera. My parents bought the Sears, you know, the Sears Super 8 sound camera. And, you know, obviously we took it on vacation and stuff. But once I got a hold of it and I was making stop motion Hot Wheels cars, movies, you know, where, it's, you know, they would explode and whatnot. And, you know, there were, there, I had no editing, uh, you know, no editing, uh, um, you know, equipment or anything like that. So it was all done in camera. But, you know, I, I also thought that was just the best thing to be able to make these stop motion films or, or, or with my friends, you know, make these little skits and whatnot. And that was, that was fun. And then as I got older, you know, kind of high school and college age, then, uh, you know, friends, actually one of Scott, Scott's cousins, uh, had a, a VHS cam uh, camera and and a few of us made uh, I don't know three four mil th four, three or four feature near feature length films I guess they weren't they weren't you know Oscar quality or anything like that but we had fun and it was it was great and so then I went to college uh, originally thinking I was going to be a theater major and that uh, didn't end up doing that. Um, Kind of turned to my second uh, love, which was which was art. So I got uh, I got a, a graphic design and photography degree at the University University of Iowa. Well, the last semester of college, I took an intro to broadcasting and film production course because I remembered how much I enjoyed it growing up, and I thought I'm going to take this class. This could be really fun. Yeah. Turned out it was my favorite class. It was the best class I I, I had taken, and uh, you know for for a moment I was like maybe I should. Stay in school and get a degree in in film or, or uh, you know communications and the draw of graduating was too great and I, I graduated and I ended up spending over uh, 13 years working as a graphic designer and, and an art director primarily to at an ad, ad agency here in Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, a little ways through that part of my career, I sort of decided maybe I'd go back to go back to to school and it was about. 2002, 2003, I think. I went back to the university, got uh, uh, got into the uh, cinema and uh, comparative literature department, and uh, and ended up getting a second major, essentially added to my to my bachelor's degree. So I did that and uh, stayed at the agency for a little while longer. Did some work there, then kind of did the freelance thing, you know, feature films, short films, you know, <clears throat> independent productions, commercial production, that kind of thing, and then. Uh, from there, then I uh, got uh, got hired on at uh, what was then Roush Productions, which was a video and event production mm -hmm. company, and um, eventually that became Wired Production Group, and I'm I'm still there. I've been there for over 11 years. And I was going to say, so you, you covered quite a bit of years, I imagine, from just going through all that. Like, how long of a time span is that? Like, like the age that you kind of start to to where you are now. I mean, this is probably most of your life, but. I mean, I graduated. I graduated from uh, from college the first time in '93, so you know, I did that. Spent 13 or so years mm -hmm. doing the doing the art director thing. Spent two years as a as a freelancer um, doing video and film production, and then and then yeah, it's been 11 years or so at the uh, at the uh, production company. What was it like going back to school? I mean, like, just like, you know, was, did you have like any, you know, apprehensions? Or, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, because, I mean, I, you know, I had a, a good job, but I was, I was feeling that desire to do something else, to feel, to, to, you know, do that production thing again. And, you know, non-traditional student, you know, I was the, I was, I think, the only one uh, at the time in, at least, at least at my stage in the, in the production, uh, you know, curriculum, I guess. Um 
but it, it, it felt good. I mean, it was it was different because I had a little bit. I had resources that maybe other students didn't necessarily have. I had access to computers and cameras that yeah. that uh, you know that I had. Um, but uh, I don't know it was fun, it, and it was and it was cool to just work with other, you know, production students. You know, and 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 uh, no, I, I I thought it was I thought I thought it was going to feel more strange than what it did. But once I got into it and realized I really have a passion for this, then I, it really didn't matter to me that I was that I was you know. Ten years older than than everybody else. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I think passion is incredibly incredibly important with whatever it is that you choose to pursue with your life. And I I don't know if I necessarily believe the whole like you know if you know do what you love and like you're going to be happy because not everything that you love necessarily pays the the bills necessarily. Um, you have to sort of find that line and, and find the niche within what you do love that is going to be profitable for you. Um, but you, you really can't do that without passion. I, I, I don't think so anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the, the festival, right? So Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival, uh, let's just go, go to the beginning. Uh, how did it all start? So at the beginning, <clears throat> I am in the, what, latter half of college and... Um, hanging out with my drama club friends and doing small production things with that. Uh, at the same time, one of my cousins was working a uh, retail job at Radio Shack and managing that with some strange hours. And to, to keep himself occupied in his off hours, he was making a stop motion uh, thing with uh, Star Wars figures. And Th that's he, not easy to do. No, at it all, took right? him forever. <laughs> and so after he had completed it, he he said, uh, or well, was still in in progress. He said, "Hey, would, would you know anybody who'd like to voice this for me? Because really, it's just me, and I'm not going to get a whole lot of characters out of just one voice." Oh yeah, I know some people for that. So we came over to his house, and he set up a whole mic setup, and we voiced over the thing for him, and that was kind of fun. And so then he got done with that. And he said, well, this is, this is great, but um, show it to my family, show it to my friends, and then it's going on a shelf. That's, you know, it was a fun project, but there's really no continuation for it. And I was in uh, some marketing and communications programs then, thinking, well, wait a second, maybe we could do like an event or something around this idea, because you're probably not the only one doing this. Mm -hmm. So we decided we would try and host a film festival at the college, and just uh, on a couple months preparation, if that, uh, gathered up six short films and ended up getting 35 people to show up. And we thought, well, okay, there might be something to this and certainly something we'd like to continue to pursue. So then the next year we thought, okay, we'll, we'll do it again and we'll do it a little bit broader uh, and brought Eric into it because he was at that time was, was going back or thinking about going back for his cinema degree. And uh, my cousin knew him from childhood and said, hey, uh, he can really help us out with the graphic design portion of things because that's what he does for a living. Sure. Like, okay, that's great. So we got somebody to make the posters, make the shirts. And uh, did a great did job. Make that, did that. he make that jersey? Uh, well, uh, nope. <laughs> not this one. This was later on, but... So for the There's people that can't, the, the people that cannot see him, I mean, I actually, I, I just realized I didn't even actually, no, I didn't even hit record oh. on it. It's, it's too late. It's too late. I'm not going, I'm not going back. <laughs> uh, but he is wearing a jersey that has the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. I assume this is, is this the early iteration of the logo? Uh, one of, one of the current. Probably 2010, 
and on. I like it though. But it's cool. But Eric has designed some amazing things over the course oh, of like 20 years here. That's a nice compliment. Sounds like you're amazing. Several different logos <laughs> and and what three four different. I mean, multiple T-shirts. Probably 15 20 years worth of T-shirts. Oh yeah. And then the, uh, the bowling shirt. The bowling shirt. That was fun. <laughs> I may have to pick your brain a little bit about merch because eventually I'm going to get some merch for this podcast. Oh, there you I've go. Been doing some research into it. I'm a bit early into kind of what exactly I want to go down for that and how I want to approach it. But after this, I might have to pick yeah. your brain. Yeah, the bowling shirt that was a that was an interesting <clears throat> one. Bright blue and yellow bowling shirt. And there's one guy that that volunteers for the festival. I mean, that was back in. 20 that was like 2007 Seven, i think yeah mm-hmm. and there's a guy that still wears it occasionally in fact i i had mine out the other day but sure yeah it kind of reminds me of like people that, that follow a band and you know the album and artwork and everything changes and they they'll show up like wearing the old tour t-shirts you know to be mm-hmm. like i'm one of the first sure i'm one of the first fans <laughs> well, we had you know t- everybody's got t-shirts and you sell t-shirts for the event yeah but uh after six years of that we thought, well, what else? What else could we do? Mm-hmm. And Eric's a very creative guy. He thought, oh, we'll do bowling shirts. We did polos. <laughs> uh, sometime later, it's like, you know, I'd really like a jersey. And I was looking. I, I wanted a baseball. Oh, I got a, a college baseball jersey. I was like, we could have a film festival jersey. So I went and had one made. And there's a, there's a few floating around. But yeah, we got we got logos on several things. Hats. Well, I like that though. But like, I I just. I think it, it catches my eye because, you know, when you think film, you don't exactly combine that necessarily with the world of sports. So jerseys and film don't necessarily oh, go so hand in hand in my head. But it's the, like the ultimate <clears throat> team sport for creativity. You've got like every that. department trying to do their thing, and without any of them, everything goes away. I mean, it's, a, and it, it's obviously an extremely collaborative area in space, um, not dissimilar to sports at all. So I actually I haven't really thought about that until just, just oh, yeah, right now. Everybody's, everybody's got their role to play, and, and as always, there's, there's stars. I mean, you think about the directors or the actors who are the ones out yeah. front, like they would for a star player. But if you don't have your, your key grip, if you don't have your gaffer, your editor, your sound guy, everything falls apart. So you got to have your role players. Everybody's a strong piece of the team. You know, I thought of you guys uh, when we first met, which was a couple weeks ago at this coffee house in Hiawatha. You guys remember the name of the coffee shop? Stillwater. Stillwater. Yeah. Still, Stillwater. Go check it out in Hiawatha. Uh, but when you guys were telling me about like people that had come from the festival and whatnot, and you mentioned, I think it was uh, Scott. Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Yeah, Scott yep. Beck and Brian Woods, and I thought of you guys because they're going to be at the Iowa film scene, mm-hmm. or the sorry film scene in Iowa City, of doing a Q and A of their movie, and I got and I got like one of the last tickets, <laughs> so uh, super excited for that. But I like literally their names connected because you guys mentioned that, so I just. Real quick thing. So there are any more tickets available for that? Uh, there, there might be like a couple, uh, but I know they weren't great seats. Like I snagged a decent seat. I don't think it's great, but I'm I'm super pumped for it. So yeah, oh they're cool. Well, I probably won't make it to it. So say hi, say hi from us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely will do. Um, but uh, yeah, take me back to the start again. So you you guys met. You guys start working on it together. Um, mm-hmm. When did it kick off officially? Well, uh, two, 2001 was the first, the original, you know, six film, 35 people. And, and which college was this at? I don't uh, know if I said Mount that. Mercy. Mount, Mount Mercy. Mercy for uh, 01 and 02. And then, uh, oh, yeah, that actually, I got to do the first logo. Is that, is that the first logo? Yeah, that's the first logo, logo yes. Okay. Sorry, wow. folks that are listening at home, it's <laughs> it's a beautiful tripod with a, like <clears throat> sort of a camera thing on, on top. Sure, yeah. Basically, Criff mounted on sticks and... 
my rudimentary design skills, which is why we needed Eric Bradley. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was the, the first and second year. And uh, then the third year was at Co. And we just got bigger and bigger. I don't remember exactly what the entry numbers were, but um, it went up quite a bit from from the six. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe had th- oh, 30-something maybe the second year. I was, I was say, I've got it here somewhere. Somewhere yeah. like that. But, but then it, it's, you know, gone up uh, we've had 70 80 pretty regularly this year we had 99 uh, for so films that for were films some, entered yeah, yeah. wow mm-hmm. so yeah it's been good and then the real uh watershed moment i think for the festival was in two late 2003 so we hosted the one at co college and in that late fall late fall late summer i got a call from my mom who said hey I noticed in the paper there's a guy opening the old Collins Road theaters, which had been dormant for ten years, maybe, maybe? five, six, something like that. Yeah, and it was previously the the Collins Road Five, right? Collins Road Correct. Five, yeah. yeah. When the owned in the Carmike uh, arena of things, and she said, "Yeah, this guy uh, Bruce Taylor. He was in the uh, in the Gazette with this article. If he's reopening the theaters, independent theater." I thought that's something you should know, and maybe that would be somebody you should talk to. So I got on the phone right away and said, Hey, uh, Bruce, I'm, I'm Scott Christman. I, we run this film festival, and I think we'd like to talk to you and see what you got in mind here. Because he'd mentioned something about maybe hosting a film festival within the theater and doing some independent things because it was going to be an independent theater. Yeah. And so say, hey, can we have a meeting? And I went and talked to him, and he, I explained to him what we were doing. And he kind of sat back and smiled and said, you know, that that is almost exactly what I had in mind. So if you're already up and running, then why don't you come here and we'll just we'll just host it here. So since 2004, Collins Road Theaters has been the home of the film festival. That's great. And obviously just from you explaining that, it's like it was meant to be kind of thing. You oh, know, like he, so. he thought it was at the right time. You thought it was at the right time. Um, what has that partnership been like just over the years? Oh, it's great. He's uh, was the slogan. I think the slogan still is uh, for people who really love movies. And he, you can tell, you know, from from walking in the door. Yeah, he runs the theater very differently. It is definitely set up to enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the staff is very attentive, and everything is clean and nice, and nothing like the multiplex you would <laughs> you've come to kind of expect in sure. in some other places. And <clears throat> done a lot with uh, programming, some interesting things. Uh, he's got you know the standard fair stuff, um, but also independent things. He's actually hosted a few of our uh, festival entrants with their premieres mm-hmm. and uh, special event things like that. So he's had a lot of flexibility to program some really cool stuff, and also uh, stock the best popcorn there is. Yeah, premium popcorn, real butter. I was <laughs> just about to say that. Um, he does have great concessions. I mean, his concessions are amazing. Yeah. And, well, they're fantastic. And I, I, he doesn't, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that they are the least expensive concessions of the movie theaters. That's mm-hmm. true. And they're so much better. Sometimes I have yep. stopped to just get the bag of popcorn <laughs> to take to an event or to my home mm-hmm. because it's delicious. No, I mean, I was going to say, if ever there's a plug for Collins Road Theaters, it's, it's right there. I mean, popcorn's the best. You can't find any better. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like how has the the audience grown over the years? I mean like you know eventually like you you start in two thousand four and it, it kind of keeps going. But I mean like how has attendance been? Good. Uh, it varies from year to year. 
based on you know if there's any big movies that come in or movies that have a lot of local uh, influence or local um, participation mm-hmm. that always helps I think the biggest thing is how much farther flung they have come from mm-hmm. we've had entrants that originated in Ireland really? before um, both coasts often uh, Georgia Texas all sorts of places we got a film from Spain via Sioux City this year so yeah and it's cool when, and especially when those people make the trek to, to Cedar Rapids to attend the festival so, well so how do you guys I mean I want to still keep like in the beginning and the, the start of things so like when when the festival starts how do you get the word out to people that are making films locally to to submit to you guys I mean how do you start getting that word out you're talking from like in the early days or yeah, currently? The, no, the early days. Yep. Early days was a lot of posters. Lots of posters. Posters yeah. and building an email list of trying to figure out who was around. Um, we were actually a little surprised to learn that there were a couple of festivals in existence already. Now, at the beginning, there was probably only one or there was, two. There was like when we were, yeah, when we, like in those early 2000s, there was the Heartacre. And the IMPA awards. The IMPA awards have all have been around since the '90s, but but yeah, I mean, then a little bit while a little while later, the Wild Rose came along. I don't remember when Landlocked. Landlocked was mid 2000s mid 2000s Yeah, so there really hadn't been that many. Mm-hmm. But because of the way we're really kind of involved with the technology, because in the late what till the late '90s or so. Yeah, you could do a, a VHS camcorder like we did for you mm-hmm. know, youth things, but to do professional production cost thousands of dollars and required some pretty heavy equipment. Yeah, as those costs came down with the oh what invention of the high high eight sure. first, and then uh, mini DV certainly was huge, and uh, just as the consumer technology grew in capability and came down in expense, suddenly you were getting professional grade things that didn't cost that much you could start to make a movie equipment wise for four or five thousand dollars maybe not not amazing probably but you at least could get your hands on some tools Mm -hmm. and then as the editing capability got better and computers got stronger you were able to do make your own dvds make your own blu-rays later so suddenly you had the tools of a full production studio in your house in your business mm-hmm. for not a whole lot of money. And then the invention, you want to speak to the, the but, DSLR craze? Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, uh, I think a lot of people, especially kids these days, kind of take for granted that they've got a movie studio in their pocket. <laughs> right. It's crazy. You know, today. back in back in the old days, <laughs> you know, you had to have a you had to have a, a decent camera, a decent camcorder. You had to have either a stack of VCRs so you could do your your ta- your uh, your uh, editing back and forth, you know, linear style. You know, and yeah, as, as you know, as those cameras became more affordable and easier to use, and and uh, the software was developed, and then DSLRs, you know, the DSLR market just you know took off, you know, with the early Canons, early Sony's, and and all of a sudden here's here's like like a sub thousand dollar camera that shoots really pretty dang good video you, you if you've got a decent lens suddenly you've got a camera that can shoot stuff that looks as good as the professional stuff from five years earlier mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. interchangeable lenses where you're able oh, to yeah. start merging the worlds of photography with suddenly moving video and there were some hiccups there 
but just that you got the glass on it, you could suddenly start making some cinematic looking things because you could control the depth of field mm -hmm. and you could adjust uh, frame rates and things that you weren't able to touch before. After you're able to get uh, 24p in a consumer grade camera, suddenly it was much harder to tell the difference as to what you mm -hmm. had done things with. So it sounds like just technology, and of course as a whole, it's evolves, it's always changing, but it sounds like it, it's, I mean, certainly today is at a point where approaching film and, and getting into it is not, I would say, as intimidating as I'm sure it probably was back in those back in those early well, days. Well, everybody's got a YouTube channel now. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, er, Eric's absolutely right that you, you take for granted now the studio you have in your pocket. Yeah. You have audio editing, you have video editing. You have, with some things, you know, you're shooting 4K on your phone. Yeah. And it may not be amazing, and the lens isn't amazing, but you can get it done. And to be a high school kid, to be a junior high kid, you don't need anything more than that. Mm -hmm. You can shoot it all there, edit it on your home computer, and suddenly you've got a movie. Yeah. I think I was going to say yeah. I just and we'll probably go into this, but yeah, yeah. you know, and it, the most important thing though is you've got these tools. Story. It always comes down to story and you know yeah. your content. Just what you want to say, right? I mean, like just like you said, the content. Sure. Well, it, it's adjusted because think about how many million dollar, multi tens of million dollar things we've seen that have been total and complete failures. Yeah. And they've had the tools, they've had the money and the resources. But it doesn't guarantee quality. No. You, you still got to have the story. And because it's brought these tools into a more uh, democratized idea, you've got stories that you wouldn't have seen. You couldn't have got sold for $50 million, but you can do it for 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. How did the shaping of the festival like kind of happen organically? Because I imagine, you know, the first year that you do this, I mean, you guys don't have experience running the festival back then, right? Well, we don't have experience now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, like when you're first starting things, you're first doing the festival, I mean, what sort of lessons did you kind of learn along the way to running and managing the festival? Well, the, the motto... For at least mine for a long time has been start everything earlier because <laughs> you just don't know how long this stuff takes yeah. and each portion of time if you can invest just a little bit more in it things get better uh, i think one of the big involvements was that we started drawing additional people in uh, you know it starts out with a small group and go here's what we're going to do as you start getting a little more uh, diverse opinions of how things should should operate mm -hmm. uh, you get some better thoughts as to how things could function um, one of the biggest changes probably over the years was uh, wrangling through what categories should be uh, the <laughs> really? first couple were just hey here's a pot of films let's put on a show <laughs> and after that you go okay we're gonna start uh, awarding things we got a list of things we can award maybe some of these things shouldn't be competing against each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a way to divide that. And so we started making uh, both skill level categories and content mm -hmm. level categories. And that's still uh, it's stabilized yeah. somewhat in the last 15 years. It, it was really interesting because you know, over the last uh, several months, I've kind of 
in preparation to you know relaunch the website and stuff mm-hmm. i was kind of going through a lot of the archives pulling out old vhs tapes uh, uh from the first from the first year which is is craziness but 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 they were there but then i i jumped into looking at what uh, what won awards in 2002 and and we we had you know cinematography awards and screenplay awards and editing awards and acting awards and direction and we had most like the, like the most Academy innovative awards. and <laughs> all this stuff and it's like wow we just kind of I don't remember what it was. Did we just watch a bunch of films and say, hey, this should have an award, so what can we award this? Well, you couldn't have, I mean, because they were all in the same pool, you didn't want to say, well, this one is better than that one necessarily because they were having, it was very hard to compare them, both in you know cost, length, anything. Yeah, I think 2003, we kind of got the structure, the, the bones of the structure, and I think it wasn't until 2000, I think 2004 might have been the first year for the actual Eddie name. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think it's been pretty consistent since 2004. Yeah. Well, there's always, you know, uh, there's constant wrangling over how do you define some of these things. Mm-hmm. And as we started splitting them up for skill level, you go, okay, uh, so student and professional. And we'd often get a lot of things in between. They go, well, I don't make any money doing this. This isn't my <laughs> job. I'm not a professional filmmaker. But I, I'm also not in school anymore, so uh, how do we categorize those? And we ended up with a, a hybrid uh, pro-am, so a sort of professional, amateur, mm-hmm. hobbyist sort of realm where you're not getting paid to do these things. That's not what your living is, mm-hmm. but you've got some skill and you're more advanced than a student. So that kind of stuff. And then also, even in the division categories within student, a lot of uh, students aren't making a feature film. They don't have the resources or the time to do that. So how do you categorize those in terms of length? Well, now we've got uh, student student long and student short. So student uh, narrative short, student narrative long. Uh, so it might only be a half an hour, but you're still telling a story. Mm-hmm. And also within that documentary of how do you, you know, it's a feature-length documentary, okay, should that be competing against a half-hour documentary? Well, it, it does in our festival, but maybe that's not necessarily the ultimate way to do that. So length, skill, um, there's been some discussion of budget. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but, yeah, just trying to carve up how this works and how things get ranked against each other. And how, how to be fair, both both from our you know perspective as well as, Looking at it from the filmmaker's perspective, what's going to be, you know, what what are they going to perceive as as a fair, you know, way of judging one film against the next? Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys take inspiration from other festivals, like when you were shaping this and crafting it, or did you just kind of like, you know, what we're going to do our own thing, we're going to figure this out as we go, and just kind of go from there? Or well, I mean, initially there weren't that many festivals that right. to, to to look at, and we didn't look. I mean, we didn't know about festivals because there was no internet, right? You know, you know th- today you can pull up, uh, you know, you can pull up, you know, Google and type in film festival, and you you're met with thousands of them. And, mm-hmm. and back then it was like, well, we knew that we knew about the festival, the Hardacre Festival in Tipton. We kind of knew how they did things. We'd gone to their festival, but when um, you hear about Sundance and things, but they're they're far away. Yeah, they're, they're so far that, removed yeah. from this space. So you know. I don't remember looking up any of that mm-hmm. necessarily i mean maybe if we had a specific question we'd look for terminology or something but i don't remember no. really drawing on any of that for so you guys just pretty much just took the bull by the horns and you're like we're gonna do this we we love this and we want to give something back to this area right? yeah sure 
Well, it was looking at what what is being made and say what you know what's being made and you know how do we how do we take those take that that content and break it down into into mm-hmm. manageable categories and and what makes sense. And what was also very uh, beneficial was we had a, a group of and still have a group of uh, volunteer judges who come from lots of different backgrounds and different areas of expertise. And I remember some of those first few, we had, you know, whoever we could recruit. Um, so I recruited my college drama teacher for the acting, and we found a, a guy, I don't remember how we ran into him. We found, found different people who knew about production and had some production experience. Uh, Shirley Long, who had a lot of in-depth script writing things, was a judge for us a few times. Uh, from the Des Moines area, and she atta- uh, hooked us up with several different people who had writing experience or uh, acting, directing, producing, all those things. So when you get in those rooms and hear that discussion going on about the various films, you go, okay, well, this is this is how this film happened, we think. You know, this is the story of the film that we've seen. We realize that the crew had XYZ to deal with, or clearly they had this resource or didn't have this resource, and... So you're trying to figure out how to judge the overall product, the overall finished film. Mm-hmm. And they all had a lot of insight into, well, here's how you sort of help rank those things. Because after you've spent some time in production, you understand a lot of the pitfalls and challenges. And there are many shots where you go, wow, I can't believe they pulled that off. That's amazing that that exists at all. Mm-hmm. So you kind of figure out how to how to judge some of those things and give, give some leeway where you need to. Uh, but also be a little more stringent on the well. That's you know you're a professional. You should know about this thing or that thing. And yeah, there's going to be things that happen on set. Uh, but yeah, we we learned a lot from them from a lot of different aspects of of production and other. Yeah, yeah I would say the judges were really helpful initially. You know, on the, in those early years, kind of giving us a little bit more direction. You know, because at the time, you know, I hadn't really I had not finished school. Mm. Um, Scott, you hadn't gotten into in production yet. No, I'd done a, I mean, a, the, the stuff that you was in a consulting firm towards the beginning of that. But yeah, <laughs> the real heavy production stuff wasn't until a couple of years later. I did almost a decade in broadcast TV. So just being on sites, you've learned so much more about how that stuff works mm-hmm. and get a much better insight. And, oh, well, I see what you did there. And I, I'm glad you you covered that up, but I understand what happened in that <laughs> instance. You appreciate, I'm sure, so many more little things that people that are not you know in the thick of it are, are going to overlook and they just probably sure. won't even notice they're even happening, oh, yeah. um, which is sometimes part of the beauty, I think, of film because sometimes the... There are things that happen, and you're just like, you have no idea how hard it was to pull that off. Sure. <laughs> it looks so seamless to to the audience, um, but that, that's part of the magic oh, yeah. of movies. Now, there are also, kind of along those same lines, so you, you do occasionally see films where there's a shot in there that, like, why is, why is that shot? That's, that's useless. Why did they put that shot in there? Or, or something like that. And... You know, especially if it's if it's a filmmaker that's you know maybe maybe not quite as experienced or or, or even even an experienced filmmaker. You know, and you talk to them. You know, I can recall I don't remember who it was, but it was quite a few years ago in the judging process or in the judging uh, uh, conversation afterwards, talking about a shot. Well, it took us so much work to get this shot, and we had to do this to get and I had to do this, and we had to leave this shot in because it was because it was just so hard to hard to to execute. And and I can recall just you know yeah, but nobody else sees that you had to yeah. spend that mm-hmm. much time on the shot, and it doesn't serve your story. And yeah, 
the, the, the end product is ultimately what people you know see at the end and, and that's what has to be that's what has to be judged i imagine so. sure uh, i forget who the famous person <clears throat> is with the quote but the the kill your darlings, kill your darlings. Of, yep. of don't worry about the you know your favorite shot if it doesn't serve the story it doesn't serve the movie you've got to cut it and that was what we heard over and over of things and and that was that's one of those trial by fire learn by doing things of yeah this you know crane shot took us forever this you know timing or whatever took us forever ultimately in the editing room if it doesn't work it's got to go away and that's really hard to learn yeah and i i feel like well creative people in general are kind of like this is that you know obviously people are very precious about what they create and understandably so you know it's not just the technical expertise they have to put into it you know they're really putting their passion their viewpoint um their time so many things that go into it but I I know firsthand as a creative myself, it, it, it can be hard to let that perfectionist side of you go um, and sometimes be like, you know, I just, I got to be honest with myself and be like, like, just what you guys said, this is not going to serve the remainder of, of what I've worked on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not an easy lesson learned, but I think it's one that, you know, people just learn as they go through the motions. Right. Sure. Well, and it's subjective, too, because mm-hmm. your opinion of what works or what does not work isn't the same as the next guy yeah. you know, or the or the or the. Or the judge, or the movie going public. You know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a subjective, yep. you know, art. And I think like that's any art, where our festival maybe has a little different flavor too, because we didn't have any um, heavy production experience going into it. We're viewing it from an audience perspective of, did mm-hmm. I enjoy watching this? Uh, there's so many things we've we've seen over the years that, uh, let's see. You can forgive. You can forgive picture and sound issues as long as it's something you enjoy watching. And if you think through technology now, think about how many things you've landed on on YouTube that you go, "Well, I'm watching this. Production value not real great, but I'm really enjoying where they're going and what they're doing." Mm-hmm. And our festival came along at a time when that was just starting to be a thing. Uh, and, and even, what, five, six years before YouTube was even really going. So it was kind of that idea of, hey, I've made this thing, I'd like to show it to people. Mm-hmm. And now YouTube's got some of that, or a lot of that. But because we're watching the things going, okay, I really enjoyed this story. Yeah, there's this thing where the mic's in the shot for a little bit, or the production isn't so great. But because it is a good story, we're interested to see it. And again, the, the things that cost a ton of money don't always succeed. Mm-hmm. So we're right in that line of, can you make this and make it an enjoyable experience and something you enjoy watching? You know, I think some of my favorite movies uh, just over the course of my life, I mean, I love the things that, you know, of course, are critically acclaimed and, you know, the big blockbuster movies. I, I'm not a snob. I like Star Wars and I like Schindler's <laughs> List. I, I like all kinds of sure. different things. Two very different movies yes. I just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the movies that I, th- I guess speak to me the most, uh, pun-, pun intended for the title of this podcast, but they are the ones that I just feel are, are being very truthful with what they're telling, um, whether that's in the story or just the people that are around it that collaborate. It's like they really, what's on the screen is the most truthful and, and telling version of the story as possible. Um, so sometimes I, I love a movie just because it's really, you know, just entertaining. Like I just had like a, a, a rush of, you know, um, 
trying to say like endorphins or something like that. Sure. Um, but you have a rush of feelings and then there's others where it's like, man, like that messed with my head and I got to think about this for a little bit or the rethink your life movies, you know, where it's like, <laughs> damn, this really is sitting with me in a, in a profound way, but I can't put a word on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other times you laugh and stuff, but, but my point with all those different feelings is sometimes it's not, like you said, it's not strictly on the technical aspect. It's not even strictly on the money. It's just about what is being presented on there and is this actually having an emotional reaction with myself. Sure. You know, and I, I feel like I'm very in touch with that. I don't know if everybody else necessarily is. Um, you know, more film people are. You know, they know how it you know, really works on their on their levels. But other people, they're just like, oh, it's pretty good. And I'm like, mm. Well, I think you'll, you'll always catch people that way because I think you're right on it. Even your general audience who has no particular movie technology or anything like that knows what they enjoy watching and knows when something's made a connection with them. Yeah. I've always thought it's a great thing, especially through uh, this festival and other festivals, to go sit in a darkened theater and be exposed to something you'd never see before. You know, whether that's being in space, whether that's somebody else's uh, life experience in a documentary, you're suddenly in in their shoes, you're with them during their story. And if you can forget that you're watching a movie, then that's done a really good job. That's one of the best feelings I can say. And science fiction is a genre where that usually works for me, where like if you're really transported, mm-hmm. you almost have to do like a double take. You walk out of the theater, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm on Earth now. Like, oh, holy sure. crap. Like, like it, it's, it, you can't put a price tag on that. It's the best. I remember leaving the theater having seen the first Matrix, and you're going, wow. Yeah. What do I what do I think is real? What do I think is real? <laughs> this is, this could think? be a simulation right now. Sure, if you think about it, like, I could be in a pile of goop. So, <laughs> so in, knowing, in knowing those things, and even I would put it to the real life things too in documentaries to know that yeah. I've seen someone's story from halfway across the world, who I would never meet, who I would never interact with, just due to distance, and yet I've shared a human experience with them, having yeah. watched their story. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Not at all a smooth segue, but I want to talk about the festival today. Okay. So, first off, like, give me just an overview of it. Like, I want to know when is it happening this year? Um, Where is it going to be at? I think we already talked about that earlier, Collins Road Theaters. Um, But just walk me through the festival this year. Well, it is April 14th through the 16th uh, at the Collins Road Theaters. Yes, that is is correct. Um, It'll be happening... And I'm going to pull up my cheat sheet really quick because I can do that. Yep, you sure can. Um, in past years, I'll just, I'll just for those people that have have been to it previously, we're we're uh, we've expanded our schedule a little bit this year just because we wanted to show more films and you know have more programming time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're actually starting at uh, I believe about 1:20 on that Friday. We usually start at six, but frankly, the 99 films that we received were great. We yeah. got so much good content. It was just phenomenal. That's great. And and it's tough to say, geez, we have to cut, you know, half these films. How many do you screen? We're screening fifty one. Okay, fifty one films. So yeah, that which is still just barely half. Yeah. And and how now when did they start submitting? Like when were the when were submissions open to be It was like the end of December. November was the beginning November, of December. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how long does it take you guys? I mean, like do you watch the entirety of it and then like be like, "Oh, I got to decide like the what stays, do. what goes." The judges do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Judges watch for everything and and God bless them because they crammed that into like a month, month and a half and it was something like 
43 hours of content it or something was, like that? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. We, we, we cut it down to 20, just it's a little bit over 24 hours, if I remember correctly. Remembering correctly, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so fifty-one films. Yeah, yeah, and and like the, the all ninety-nine were were terrific, and we had and it was tough to for the judges to have to cut those down. But um, I w- would all but guarantee that the fifty-one that we were showing are the cream of the crop of this year's films. So. I don't know if I, I don't expect you to name all fifty. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to play on the spot like that. Um, but is there any particular ones that you want to highlight or like bring people's attention to, or you know, any filmmakers that are going to be there that have maybe been here in the past, or are these all new people? Like, it's a mixture. Yeah. I mean, there's there's several filmmakers that we've had in past festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's kind of the cool thing is is. There are, there are filmmakers who submit a film every year, every other year, or whatever, and it's nice to see them come back and sure. and see what they're doing differently, or see you know see what they're see what they've been up to and talk to them. And then there are others that, are, that have never heard of our festival and they saw it on on uh, Facebook or they saw it in Film Freeway and they say, oh, I never knew about your festival, but what's, I'm submitting. What's, what's Film Freeway? Film Freeway is like the central place for film festival entering and management. Okay, um, it's a website where. Basically, I, I don't know what the what the number of film festivals that are that are listed on it right now is, but essentially, it's a site where you can, if you're a filmmaker, you've put your film in there and all your biographical information and everything uh, pertaining to your film, uh, and you're able to enter film festivals via that mm-hmm. website. And as a film festival, you're able to set up your festival in there, put all of your all of your rules, your uh, your entry categories, set up set up all the 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 uh, you know the way that people can can select what category they're in, pay for their film uh, festival entry fees. I mean, it goes through judging. So, like all of our judges were able to watch the films on Film Freeway and do their judging right in the platform. It's That's nice. Yeah, it's come a long way because you talk about doing it twenty years ago. We were you know hooking up banks of VCRs and making copies after copies and having to ship Eric's them. just like shaking his head like, oh, oh it's ridiculous. No. <laughs> and even when we got to DVD, that was that was great. It was a little bit easier, a little bit faster. Sure. Uh, but now it's just, yep, it was submitted. It's streaming on your site. Log in, go look, and judge it. Away we go. What are the rules for the festival? I mean, like, obviously, like, we have the 51 films, but, I mean, like, what are they, I guess, like, being judged on? Like, how, how does the, you know, what, what happens from there? They're judged within their categories so you enter a film you, there's lots of attributes for you to fill out uh and it's mostly due with skill level length and category mm-hmm. so we've got things like a narrative feature so your traditional feature movie uh documentary long uh, short and uh freestyle which is kind of a uh, video art maybe music, music video, videos things very experimental of, yeah kind of mm-hmm. experimental non-traditional sort of freeform things or at least doesn't fit in one of the other categories music videos are wild i just gotta tell you guys i mean like we've got a few we do, do you really yeah. yeah yep now are they like bands from like i'm assuming iowa um but or, or uh, a little bit of everything i think mm-hmm. we had yeah. uh, some different places sure they just blow my mind because some of them you know like they're they're just so strange and then i, I just wonder I'm like how do you explain that to someone and like make that into a feasible <laughs> thing like some of these strange concepts but sure. i, I, I oh, yeah. won't go down that road um, so, so talk again about the, the categories, the judging process, and, and that whole thing. So we've got uh, 
everything from student up through professional. So those are the main, the three main things, student, pro-am, and professional. Okay, so student, your, pro-am, professional. Student, you're in school, being a student. College, high school, college, high school, elementary. We've had we've had elementary students submit you've films. You've had elementary people submit mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. They often have some help from their parents, but they, their idea was there. I mean, still, that, that's impressive. Sure, to me. yeah, absolutely. And then the the pro am with the again the not making a living, sort of the hobbyist, sort of enthusiast. We kind of say sixty. We I think the rule is sixty percent. Sixty percent of your income or less does or less come from production. Sure. So that way you don't have, you know, I'm a producer by day or something. If you've got a day job that's paying the bills that applies to one of these categories, you're a professional. Makes sense. So you should be competing against professionals in that. What's new at the festival this year? If there's anything. Well, uh, besides the website, it sounds like there's a new website. We have a brand new website, website. CRIFM.org. Yeah. Um, Check out the description of the episode. It'll be there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, student Cinema Sunday, Eric's brainchild for this year is, is Sunday with students. It was it was part of part of the thing again, going back to just trying to show more films, um, knowing that we've got a finite number of hours that we can program because of, of just the way mm-hmm. the world is. You've got a schedule that you have to stay under, and looking for ways to expand that schedule, looking for places we can show more film, time we can show more film. In, in past years, we've never gone to a Sunday before. And was just thinking, you know, let's let's see about expanding our schedule to Sunday. And what can we do differently on Sunday? What can we do that's uh, something fun for for filmmakers? And you know, we've always been we've always been very high on on student filmmakers because you're seeing these young people who are developing as as artists, as you know, storytellers. And and it's cool to just see them. You know, not to bring up Scott Beck and Brian Woods again, but their first yeah. the fil- first time they entered the festival was 2002, and they were what sophomores in high school freshman. or something freshman, freshman in high school. school. Wow. And I was like, wow, this 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 is not a bad film. This is actually pretty good for kids. And over the years, we saw them continue to improve their craft and keep keep sending you know keep sending things into the festival. And, you know, here they here they are now. You know big stars but but it's always cool to see those students and and help give them encouragement and and a forum to show their films you know obviously youtube has made it very very uh you know you know easy for a student to show a film you know to the entire world but well it gets out there but it's it's cold yeah on uh uh not interactive yeah. To watch in a theater with a crowd is a whole different experience. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things filmmakers have told to us over and over of, hey, I loved watching my movie with an audience, and this is one of the few places I would get to do that. And they laughed at the right place. They were scared at the right place. I understood my beats that I put in the film were hitting. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And with the students especially, they bring such interesting new ideas sometimes mm-hmm. because they've they've grown up with all of these years of film that we've already seen and they have that as a background already so they're able to offer homage things or a whole different idea of oh i'm going to do this and it's a, a throwback to one of the early years but i remember one of the judges comments to one of the filmmakers at the time was one an inventive idea for you to put the camera behind the faucet most people would not have thought to put it behind the sink like that. Right. And you really evoked a, a both a feeling of depth visually and also served the story with what you were doing. That person is now a published author three times over 
and was actually a judge for us this year. Who is it? Uh, Jenny Dewis is her name, Jenny Stolte at that time. And uh, just learned, and she submitted with different groups for five, six years or so throughout mm-hmm. college and other times, that it was great to see her develop. And now she's got uh, these wonderful sci-fi books, uh, and I think she learned a lot through the film process of building story mm-hmm. and building character. So lots of things like that where uh, people will bring you some innovative things mm-hmm. just due to the nature of them being students, them being young, yeah. to say, oh, I'm going to try this a little differently. In, it's one thing I find uh, consistently as, as a creative myself, and I, I think you guys are creatives in your own rights, you know, different aspects of the film world, but you guys are both creative for, for doing this, you know. Um, but one thing I definitely find with creatives is that you, you need stimulation, right? Sure. And certainly I imagine in the film world, you know, people working on movies, they thrive off that energy. They thrive off people that are kind of getting behind a shared vision and people that are artists in their own right. And they have a story they want to tell and they have a different look and direction. And I just, I just think it's great that you guys are giving people from this area an opportunity to express that, not only express that part of themselves, but find that they're not alone and sure. putting them in in a network in a community where they can you know share that be appreciated for it and then they can get inspired and then they'll do things they never even thought of by oh, being yeah. a part of that. I mean, there have been filmmakers, particularly students, who have come to the who have done their film with maybe a couple of friends or, or family members, brought it to the festival, and then they've met other yeah. filmmakers their own age or or, or people that they, they didn't know and. And suddenly, hey, we've built a community of, of filmmakers. I've now got I, I now know this guy and this girl, and I can make a film with them, and and uh, and it's great. So helping those students just kind of find their find that that community and and develop mm-hmm. as as you know as artists is really kind of what Student Cinema Sunday is all about. And 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 I do want to put just a quick plug in. Oh please, that, please. that the uh, admission uh, admission uh, fee for students on Student Cinema Sunday is is quite. Uh, uh, Reduced, reduced from regular. What, well, what is regular admission? Let's talk price. Oh, boy. Uh, well, you've got a lot of different uh, options. Okay. Because it's broken up into sessions. Okay. So you can come for a three- or four-hour block uh, a couple different times. So if you're interested in coming for, like, a, a Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturdays for, for smaller blocks, those are available at a certain price. Yeah, each each uh, for an adult uh, single session is is ten dollars in advance or twelve dollars uh, on the day of the show. Students students are eight dollars or eleven dollars uh, a day of show. Student Cinema Sunday for students is only five dollars, um, or uh, or day of show is eight dollars. And then of course uh, we encourage people to buy the full event passes because then you get in all all six sessions, mm-hmm. come and go as you please. Um, how much are the passes? Uh, the adult full event pass is thirty-five dollars in advance, or forty-five dollars day of show, mm-hmm. uh, and the students is uh, is twenty-five and thirty-five, and that's like you know, that's a fraction of what it would cost if you bought individual sessions. So, sure, I, I mean even listing off those prices, I mean it's certainly affordable. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Well, you think of what you shell out I'm, for just a two-hour feature anymore, and this is giving you three three and a half hours or more well and it's also more i would say immensely satisfying because it's obviously not your traditional studio films i mean you're getting to sit with in some in certain cases some of the people that made these oh absolutely um i'm sure you get to talk with them and whatnot um totally different experience Mm -hmm. and that's something new we're doing again doing uh, kind of in response to filmmaker demand 
uh, you know, earlier uh, earlier in the, the season, we sent out a, a, a survey to past, uh, past entrants, just kind of picking their brains, getting ideas from them as to what they liked, what they didn't like, what they'd like to see. Um, and a lot of them came back with wanting to do Q&As. And I've been to festivals where Q and A is a is a is a regular thing. I thought, okay, let's let's move this into let's move this into our festival. Again, trying to expand our schedule, making room for that sort of thing. So, we're now going to be doing uh, Q and As with the with the filmmakers. So that's another thing I think people really enjoy is that ability to talk directly to the filmmakers. And you know, if they see something interesting on the screen and they wonder, you know, what was the what was the motivation or what was your inspiration for doing this film? You know, then you get, you get to have that conversation right there. That's amazing. I, I know I, I've partaken in a few Q and A's just as a fan myself. Uh, not at a festival, I'll admit. Um, kind of crazy. You would think I've been to several. Uh, this will be the first festival cool. <laughs> uh, that I've gone to, but I, I am massively looking forward to it. Um, but I agree as far as the Q and A process goes. Um, for the few times I have experienced it myself, I, I, it's a thrill. Um, sometimes it, it can be intimidating to be like, oh, I'm going to ask a question, especially if there's a, you know, a big crowd and, and whatnot. But, um, I just, I think you have to remind yourself that you're in good company. You know, you're, you're in a, in a space where people want the excitement. Oh, yeah. they, they're not going to, you know, care if you're gushing a little bit. You're like, oh my God, <laughs> like, oh, you know, because we all do it. Sure. Well, I think the beauty of, uh, to build on the networking portion that Eric was talking about, that you are you're in the theater with some of the people who've made these films and if you're interested in filmmaking this is a great place to come and learn mm -hmm. uh, great place to network with people who are doing it uh, even if you have no experience I would encourage you to introduce yourself to some of these folks and say hey I'm, I'm interested in acting and directing and in production how do I do this what are some good resources to go look at uh, I I've seen a lot of what Eric is talking about in terms of uh, cross-pollination of people that show up. Hey, I get my film. Look, all these other people are like me. They want to do my thing too. And then they go off and build a much better film because they found five other people at the festival that would like to work with them on their project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd say if you've got any interest at all uh, to come as an attendee and go, oh, well, okay, what films did I like? And can I find those folks and talk to them a little bit and offer to go and hold their boom mic or something for them in their production because then sure we all you know every crew needs some extra hands so if you can get in with some of these folks and go yeah I like making movies too how do i do this everyone needs help yeah yeah i mean the uh, movie making i i've never been a part of uh making a film but it is no one-man show oh, i mean that, that that's certainly not the case i mean you you need a army of people to to collaborate and uh, mm -hmm. to get behind it well, and certainly in a lot of independent films, you're not working with budgets where you can go out and hire the top name in, in whatever department. You can't hire the best sound mixer in the, in the country. You can't hire the, the, the most in-demand director of photography. So you're, you're working with... You mean Roger Deakins just isn't on standby? He's, like, yeah, I, he, I asked him if he... <laughs> I gave him a call, and he's not going to be able to make it to the festival this year, ah, unfortunately. Sure. So, well, yeah, no. And students especially, they're drawing on their family, their friends, their classmates, mm -hmm. anybody they can get to show up on their Saturday, they're going to do it. So if you can have a, a audience-rich environment of people go, yeah, I'd like to spend all night doing that with you, that would be great. <laughs> I would love to stand out in the cold. Well, well, speaking, the well speaking of the audience, like what, you know, what's the typical audience that comes to this? Typical? 
don't know if there's typical, I, but you know, typical. I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if like if you guys get into like your demographics it's, where we usually attract men or, or women or this age or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's just a mix it, of yeah, everybody. It's a mix, you know, kids all the way up to to yeah. you know senior. I mean, it it really some of it depends on the content of any particular block or any particular day. If there's something that's uh, you know that's uh, you know subject matter is of of a specific you know, topic, it mm-hmm. might attract people that are interested in that sort of, you know, thing. Sure. Um, yeah. But I would encourage you, you know, if you're a film enthusiast at all, a movie person, just come and sit for a block because you're going to see some stuff that you've never seen before. You're going to see some interestingly produced things. Mm-hmm. And because we have an Iowa connection, that's really the the basis of all of this because they've got to have some relation to Iowa in topic or people. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn some things about your state that you didn't realize uh, and, and pretty quickly. I think even for the uh, area we're in, uh, in Cedar Rapids, there's a lot of, of viewpoints and various things happening in our big metro areas here. But throughout the other corners of the state, we've got a lot of different folks with a lot of different experiences. And Films about them are going to show you something that you probably never heard of or maybe never thought about. And it gives you that chance to have that connection both to your community, uh, to your state, and also you know, through various topics, maybe something you're really interested in. Uh, we've got you know, some things on, on farming this year. Again, big in-depth documentaries. In Iowa, of all, the, of all places. Yes, of all places. <laughs> There's farming here? What? There's some farming. <laughs> Actually, we seem to get a lot of really well put together rural themed documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool. And you then, are, of course, the student things, but also, uh, was it a Russian, Russian guitarist this year? Russian. Really? Yeah. Um, do- so, do- so documentary. Yep. Yeah. So some, some great, just interesting sort of industry things of music, of uh, art over the years, all sorts of uh, different things and the thing is if you're into film just you know come and and don't necessarily look oh this is something i like this is something i like go and sit in a theater for for a couple films that you don't know anything about or that that sound interesting but maybe not what you'd typically watch because you never know if you see something it's like wow that i was not expecting to enjoy that or i was not expecting that that was going to resonate with me you know it's it's cool because you know even as even as as you know, organizer of the festival. I mean, we watched a lot of the films and and thinking, you know, I'm not going to like this. And it's like, well, wow, that I actually learned something. That was pretty. That was pretty interesting. I learned something every year. And yeah. At every single festival, there's a that happens in this state. I had no idea that was even a thing, let alone that it was you know a couple counties away. I think that's one of my f- absolute favorite parts of of films is and and I don't know if some of this is just because of how I am as a person. I mean, I, I'm a very open minded person. I, I love to learn. I, I think learning is a journey. It never stops. It doesn't matter what age you are, and movies i it's almost hard to put into words the amount of values and lessons and just interesting thoughts and things that have come from movies that i i would never have gotten from any other medium out there i just i just wouldn't have um they they really just speak to me in a big big way uh i gotta take a pause here because uh my recorder here is about to die and i need to change out the batteries for this but we're, we're gonna pick up here in a second Western 
smells like when you don't have two boys. <laughs> okay, so that, that, that's compliments to the missus. I am a messy guy. I probably don't do the greatest job of cleaning, so thank you, Isola. Every every household's got to have somebody that has an investment in that. <laughs> yes, uh, my my wife. I mean, she she's even being a great sport. She's she's tucked away in the back. I'm sure if I yelled at her, she would she would come out and not yell. That sounds aggressive. <laughs> call call <laughs> to her, honey. Like, just do one do one of those. Um, so uh, Jordan has provided us with some lovely yeah. uh, uh, IPA beer here, mm-hmm. and it, it led me to another thought within the film festival of, of things, again, that we discover as we get entries in. Uh, a couple years ago, probably three years ago now, four years ago, there was a documentary entered called Wine Diamonds. Oh, yeah. Wine and, Diamonds, what's that about? It was a, a documentary about winemaking in the Midwest. So within Iowa, Illinois, and uh, various surrounding areas, Minnesota, I think, where there's a cold, cold-grown grapes in, in like winter areas. So you think of winemaking California, more temperate yeah, climate, Martha's Vineyard or something like sure. that, right? These are, are cold-weather grapes that grow in a completely different environment and produce different wine. So the whole documentary was various wineries throughout the region here that that work with these grapes. And so we were fortunate enough to get a few of the wineries to come in and have uh, served some samples at the time. So, again, another one of those documentaries you go, I, I realized, yeah, I mean, I heard there was wineries around and stuff, but I didn't realize it was a whole other division of grapes. It's a whole other execution of wine as an idea. Mm-hmm. So th- things <clears throat> we learn every year. That's crazy. How are the pretzels? These are great pretzels. Yeah, I was going to say, they're great. I will say the, the buffalo flavor, good. The jalapeno flavor also good, but uh, not to be overly descript, but you might have some restroom Ooh. difficulties. Okay, yeah, no. Might be some follow-up. Ch- cheddar ones are safe. Cheddar, cheddar's good. I mean, you could tell me. Like, you, you can't go me. wrong with cheddar. <laughs> no, no, you absolutely cannot. Um, so, trying to think, where were we at before we had to take the pause? Because we, we were talking about the networking opportunities, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Just to come and watch a block of films because it's going to be yeah. Different I want to talk about that. The block of films now. How long is a block of films? Oh, you know, anywhere from three to five hours. Okay. I mean, it, it depends. Um, and how are the Q and A structured this year? I know you said you're going to do them. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it by block. And this is something I picked up from my my friends up at the Iowa Independent Film Festival in Mason City. Mm-hmm. Is they did they were they did a block of films. And then a Q&A, they'd bring up all the filmmakers from that particular block. You know, if it was a group of shorts or if it was a couple of features, they'd bring everyone up from the, that had films in that block and have a conversation that way. And I thought it worked really nicely so that if you're, you know, if there was one, one if you showed a film and there was like a filmmaker, you know, you're not one person just sitting up there kind of on the spot, mm-hmm. that there's ability for, as filmmakers, to have a conversation amongst yourselves. So we're going to do that. We're going to take, uh, take the, the blocks um, and they're you know probably an hour and a half sure. in length. And then once that block is done, we'll bring those filmmakers up. We'll have a conversation for a little bit with them. Um, for features, we're going to do, I think we're going to do features with a Q&A following. You know, the, the thought is to just kind of break them up every, every hour and a half or so. Just, mm-hmm. you know, both for conversation purposes, you know, that we'll put a break in there also. Um, just to l- let people get up, stretch their legs, and and uh, and whatnot. 
That's that's uh, that's amazing, amazing. I'm I'm just very very excited. <laughs> I, I you know we've never done Q and A really uh, you know anything formal, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Not so much in a structured way. We have had some you know panels and things, but sure. because we were trying to squeeze so many films in to the content, well, we only have X amount of minutes here. How much can we? <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to get to some more logistical stuff a little bit later on, uh, but I want to talk about the awards. So what are the awards? Like, you know, what, what do people get if they win? Uh, yeah, tell me about that. It's the Eddie Awards. Mm-hmm. What, awards. Is an, what is an Eddie? An Eddie is a current in a body of water, usually a river, that flows against the predominant current. So we thought that was a good thing for both the independent film, being that it's, you know, kind of an alternate current idea, mm-hmm. uh, and going against against the mainstream, or at least separately from the mainstream. That's, and that's, that was that's clever. Somebody's vocabulary word from yeah. 15, yep. 15 years ago yep. or more. Now, is it, is it a trophy? Is it a plaque? I mean, like, what, what do they get? This Trophies? year it's going to be a trophy. Um, okay. it, it's, it's really interesting. We've had numerous types of trophies over the, over the years. Um, I don't remember what, what we had initially. Um, at one point we had a, a film can. Film cans, yeah. Film can with, a, with a, a film strip kind of coming up out it's hard to describe yeah, kind of yeah. this, this metal sure. film yeah. film strip coming up out of it and kind of hovering over it like sprouting from the film sort of sprouting <laughs> we had a, a number of years where we did a, a reel with a with a, a plate in the center of it mm-hmm. um, had a plaque for a number of years and plaques a few times yeah we we liked doing the the full on like 35 millimeter film reels but they stopped selling them supplier was out one year we just suddenly couldn't get any more but we've had we've worked with local artists to put things together. Mm-hmm. Um, some local local folks who assembled things or created things for us. So we actually have that again this year of um, someone that's going to custom design yeah. some things. Ben for Fiddler us. from Fiddlesticks. Uh, he does a lot of uh, laser engraving of signs and other 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 things. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I've known him for a number of years. He uh, actually worked in the production industry. A uh, number of years ago, also, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, we're doing an acrylic plate. Um, we've got our CRIF logo back this year with the uh, projector kind of made out of the uh, CRIFF letters, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to do an acrylic uh, acrylic uh, etched plate uh, with that. So, kind of looking forward to to doing something with that and seeing what people think of that. That's that's pretty cool. It's also interesting, like just hearing the evolution of like just how you actually like produce the award and like what it actually looks like over the years and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, now, aside from the the trophy, I mean, like, is is there anything else that comes with it? Is it just like the, you know the bragging rights for it and you know just being like I got this Eddie in this category? Bragging rights right now. Uh, there have been other things attached over the years, but yeah. the the main selling point I think is is recognition that your film was uh, successful. Sure. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Part of the survey was, what do you want for awards? Trophy, cash, prizes, mm-hmm. and the majority came back with with trophy. I was I was actually kind of wondering, are people going to say, I want money? Right. A lot of people just want something to put on the mantle. That's, sure. well, it's a it's a point of pride. Yeah. We've seen them, yeah. you know, with all our various Zoom calls and things over the last couple of years, you end up seeing the trophies in a lot of interesting places that people have them on their shelf somewhere. And, and uh, I've actually seen a few that were years and years old. Mm-hmm. So some of the reels and some of the cans, I think, from yeah. a couple of the early years, you go, hey, that's that. I see that on your shelf back there. I recognize that. That's that's from quite some time ago. 
but yeah, it's, it's a point of pride of hey, I made this thing creatively, yeah. and I was I was recognized for it. Yeah, I think I think awards, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing because some you know some people you know get you know a little too into the of you know the award itself and like sure. they, they they like almost like worship the damn thing, um, <laughs> you know, and, and then you know in some cases too, you know, then you have the ones that are just like ah, I don't I don't need the award, you just like pitch it and whatnot, but. I, for, I'm of the belief that it is a it's a validation of your efforts by your peers. It's it's proof essentially that what I am pouring my blood, sweat, and tears into is actually being seen by people as being worthy of acclaim. Sure, sure. Um, I, I, you know, some as they say, you know, some of the old ways are the best ways, and I I don't think you can go wrong with giving somebody a trophy. I mean, it feels good. To get a physical object to, to hold and touch like that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We always make it a point, too, to talk about the entrance. Again, we had 99 films. 51 are in. That means there are 40 how many that aren't, aren't in. And so <clears throat> even just to be on the screen yeah. is quite an achievement against uh, the other entrants and your peers. Because I imagine for some of the people uh, entering into this, you, I'm sure, have first-time entrants, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, and it's probably the first time they've ever seen anything they've made blown up on, on the silver screen. Sure. sure. Right. I mean, you get so much more out of it. I mean, you, anyone can watch something on their phone at this point, but it's a totally different experience to have a you know, 40, 60-foot screen, premium sound, uh, it's always interesting to hear some of those first timers talk about, oh wow, that you know I could hear my mom in the kitchen or the various <laughs> other sound things. You go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of the imperfections and stuff that yeah, because it's like because well, it's like how you would you how would you even go about testing that? Because you know a lot of these people they're not going to have access to a theater to be able to project some of this stuff out. So yeah, that's a, that's oh, yeah. a very good point. Well, the greatest is when things hold up. They go, wow, that, yeah, that looked exactly like I wanted it to. I'm, I'm so glad I get to see it. Well, and I think the, com- the communal experience is very important, too, because as you had indicated earlier, there's points where you're like, that beat work. You know, like this this line worked, like this setup all paid off, and you don't get that without oh, yeah. the communal experience of the movie-going experience, and I am all about that. Oh, absolutely. Especially if, you know, if, if it's a comedy. Yes. You know, it's, it's one <laughs> thing to sit and watch a comedy with your, with your parents, well, mom and dad laughed at it. That was great. Right. But will other people laugh at it? Oh, sure. What, what a, sorry, go ahead. Well, even the dramatic things. You know, I've seen documentaries and stuff that were some pretty heavy subjects. And yeah. even just the uh, the audience in the room, it's palpable. You go, oh, mm-hmm. wow, I'm, I'm concerned for this person, for this uh, you know character to agree. But but somebody, oh, this has, person's having a real experience, and I'm having it with them. And I... I'm having it with my fellow audience members to go, oh, we, we care about this person. We care about this character as to what's yeah. going to happen to them. I know one of the experiences that stands out, uh, Eric, you had mentioned comedies, right? Now, I went to a, a screening of probably about two years back of Young Frankenstein, right? Great, great, cool. Mel, great Mel Brooks film. Sure. Um, never seen it before in the big screen, and I went with my mother. Uh, she loves those old comedies and whatnot, and it was a like three-fourths of the way full auditorium. And you know, this is a movie we've seen like 10,000 times. I mean, you can quote it like with your eyes closed, uh, the whole thing like Igor, Igor, the whole the whole bit. Well, right? this way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so interesting seeing that with a crowd because there were moments that we, I think ordinarily like might have just like, you know, smiled at or, you know, light chuckle, but 
the impact of it was so much funnier when you're with a crowd because like they're laughing at something that you're like, oh, I, you know, I never even realized that um, being that funny. And then when you see it blown up on the big screen, and of course, you know, you don't have your cell phone because hopefully you're being a good audience member and mm-hmm. not getting on that. Uh, but you're noticing little details that you don't pick up when you're watching something on a phone or on sure. a tablet or even your home TV if you don't have a great screen. Um, and I just remember like walking out of that, be like, I cannot believe how many little things in that like I just picked up on the first time, and it never would have happened without right. seeing it like that. Sure. And the same thing goes on the opposite end where it's like a dramatic thing. You could see a really serious subject matter and like you just feel the weight of it when the credits roll and like everybody's like dead silent Mm -hmm. because it's hitting them on a Mm -hmm. on a very deep level and you're and you're feeling that energy from the crowd it's just it's it's hard to explain but i i guess i just did so when you're relating to other people yeah in the sense that uh filmmakers have told us that audience of course you recognize where people have different sensibilities than you do and you go oh i I didn't really intend that to be funny, but people thought it was funny. So, okay. Uh, or, or audience go, oh, wait, that guy's laughing. Huh. Is that funny? Do I think that's, maybe that is funny or I wouldn't have taken it that way. Yeah. That, I think that's one of the crazy parts about when you do finally release a movie is it's like, it, it's out there, you know, it's, it's not mine anymore. It's, it's the audience. They're, they're going to interpret it as they will. And I don't think there's, you, you can't control all that. And sometimes sure. some of the best things come from when, oh man, I never, I never would have intended it for it to be taken that way, but now it has, and now it's taken a life of its own and it's a whole thing. So I want to ask also just kind of going back to the festival this year, how, how do people get involved? I mean, past attending, of course, which if it's not obvious, please attend the Cedar Rapids independent film festival this year. Um, but what about like volunteers donations? Cause I am sure that that's like lifeblood to a festival. We are a completely volunteer run organization. There, there are no paid staff on this organ on this organization. There's it's, it's us taking time out of our days, working into the evenings, putting this stuff together. And we've got, we've got a, uh, there's a small group of us that, that put it together. Uh, we also bring in a lot of, uh, a lot of volunteer interns, mm-hmm. Um, past many years, been using interns. Um, I don't want to say using; that's not probably the best. But interns but have been participating. Interns have been participating, <laughs> but they do. Um, but but you know, several interns have turned into you know full time volunteers with the organization. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's great because because they tend to bring lots lots of energy um, and uh, and fun. Mm-hmm. It, and that's and that's probably one of the biggest things about putting on a film festival. At least my feeling is, is it's got to be fun. You've got to be oh, enjo- you've got to be enjoying what you're doing. Um, you know, because it, it can't it can't feel like another job. It's got to be it's got to be something where you look forward to, you know, digging in and, and getting to work. It's so funny that you say that because I'm not kidding. I, I think it was it was about. About like in the evening, like seven, eight o'clock last night, and you know, I was telling my wife, I'm like, I'm so excited to have you guys on the on the podcast, and like, this is a great opportunity, and you know, all, all this different stuff. But I was telling her how I've had a podcast experience. I won't I won't name which one. That I essentially overprepared, right? Like I I just I sweated so many small details. I, I got so into all the logistics of it. Everything must be perfect, right? That by the time I did it. I found myself so focused on like all these other, you know, 
aspects of of the production and whatnot that it's like was i even enjoying it mm-hmm. like in that moment <laughs> right and you know my my wife god bless her she brought me back to earth and she's like you know remind yourself just why you're doing this you know like if you if you lose the passion the enthusiasm that you have the energy that you bring to it the, the rest of the technical stuff like like that that It'll come, right? But you you can't lose sight of that because I I agree wholeheartedly that it's like you got to enjoy it. Yeah, you absolutely have to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, how and, and we're looking yeah. for and we're by the way I, I want to say we are looking for more volunteers for not only for the event itself but uh, we're recruiting board members because because we found that the more people that get involved it makes lighter work for us. You know? How how many people are on the board typically well, if it's full? Right now there's four of us. Okay. Um, so it's it's. Is there a limit? Like how many people could be on the board? No, no. Five to six. Some some years in the room, you've got ten people maybe for various things. But what do you look for in a board applicant? Like what do you what passion? Do you, just passion right? and experience. You know, I, I, not even experience, I suppose. But but just a perspective. Uh, you know, something something different. You know, we're not. We'll, we'll admit we're not experts at nonprofit organization management. You know, we're not good, really all that good at fundraising, uh, but we have to do those things sure. because we're a nonprofit organization and we have a budget. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we bring in people like we, we like to bring in people like that, that 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 know that world or people that understand events or people that are just, you know, involved in their community or want to see things happen in the community that are fun and that, that are that are art centric. Absolutely. Now, how many volunteers give or take what it you know does it take typically like to to run the festival i mean like how many do you usually like to have if you're in a perfect world it's nice to have 20 or 30 depending on various things but we've got you know the the diehards who are are there from start to finish have you had anyone that's been a volunteer since 2004 uh well, uh, the two of us. <laughs> but, I, but I took a decade off, too, so. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'm trying to remember who. I'm probably the only constant for that long, but we did have people for five, six, ten years or more. That's. I mean, I, I think that's great, though. You know, I mean, I know, like, so, so many things in, in life change. You know, people move, their occupations change and whatnot. But, you know, if you can get people to come back. You know, sure, not sure. just for a one-time run. Well, I actually did have somebody who was an intern long ago, and I asked them what I realized they were back in the area mm-hmm. a couple of years later. And it's, hey, would you like to come do this? And she's been with us for another 10, 12 years. So if someone wants to volunteer right now, what do they got to do? There's a spot on the website to contact us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Go to the go to the Get Involved page on our website. Um, we've got information about volunteering. We've got information about the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a place to donate if you're so inclined. Um, yeah. What do donations go towards? I mean, if you could explain that just a little bit more. I mean, like, because I don't know if necessarily everybody would fully understand the costs of running and operating the festival. Well, pr- producing the festival, uh, all the everything goes straight to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got expenses for all sorts of things, keeping the website up. Uh, Making the awards, making the programs, shirts, um, yeah, printed materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, why is it? Why is it, Why am I drawing a blank? I've been dealing with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all right. <laughs> um, we're 
we're adding some of these things that we're adding this year are costing are, are costing money or we're having to find we're needing to find in kind type, type donations mm -hmm. we're doing a vip lounge which is something new this year how's that work i don't know it's gonna we're gonna find out okay no it's 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 something that I, no it's something that i've been you know i'm i'm a filmmaker myself and i've been sure. to festivals and one thing that that i've i've seen and i've experienced it at some festivals were these places where as a filmmaker you can just kind of go and get away or you can go and network with with other filmmakers you know outside the the chaos of the of the theater mm -hmm. you know or or you know bruce's concessions are amazing they're great yeah but if you've been eating popcorn for for ten hours straight, you might want something else. So we, we want to give we just want to give filmmakers a place where they can kind of decompress a little bit, network. Yeah. We're gonna have things for them to do, meet each other, talk, you know, have a snack or something that's that's something different. It, that kind of stuff takes takes sponsorship. It takes takes either in kind donations or, or financial donations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that stuff doesn't just doesn't just fall fall into our laps um, and what do volunteers do i know you said like ideally in a perfect world you get like 20 30 people like what are they all gonna do well there's various roles um some of them probably by more you know established people who've been along for a little bit but we need people to run the theater we need people to run projection we need people to uh introduce the films work in the lobby you know we have a merchandise table where filmmakers can bring in uh, if they've got some physical media or various other things they'd like to physical uh, media, sell. sorry, oh, yeah. like hashtag physical yep, media. I, lo I love it. I mean, you guys saw I got a movie collection, mm -hmm. so yeah, oh, yeah. I, still sure. I still collect. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, all sorts of things, um, even just to you know keep track of the the films that, that things are running the way they're supposed to. Sure, uh, that's always something we need. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different roles. Uh, just a question of what what your strong suits are and what you're interested in participating in. Yeah, I mean photographers, videographers, mm -hmm. you know, because we want to document this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's something for you know for anyone. Well, I would hope you understand that ScreenSpeak has you covered from a podcast podcasting. Platform. <laughs> Actually, I got to throw that in there. We'll put you on the list. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a bit more about uh, some of the logistics on here, and, and then we'll, we'll keep going on here. Sure. But I'm just really fascinated with all the moving pieces that go into a festival between the operations side of it, the communications, how you market it, you get the judges, you, have, you already told me you have a board that you're seeking members for, um, recruiting volunteers and, and the raising of the fundraising. I mean, I, I guess I just want to hear your thoughts on how you manage all that and, you know, some of the challenges, frankly, that come with it. Well, uh, what, 2009, 2010, we have a, a lovely um, board member now uh, who's back. Mandy Maring is her name. And she said, you really, you really got to organize some of this because it's all in your head. <laughs> and we got to get this in a way we can follow a list. So she developed a, a lovely spreadsheet for us that we refer to lovingly as the task sheet. The task sheet. And it's, it's divided into various time periods. So things like the call for entries or the, the preseason, the call for entries, the judging, uh, the pre-festival, the festival, and the follow-up. So just organizing that uh, is quite uh, quite an undertaking. Yeah. And trying to keep uh, us as creatives on task uh, is a pretty big, <laughs> yeah. pretty big oh, undertaking yeah. as well. So just that kind of stuff. And I would say if you're interested, um, certainly we need operations things just like anybody else does. Yeah. And if you have uh, 
uh, hard, hard skills like accounting or management and that kind of stuff, those are something everyone needs. And especially to corral the creative folks. To go, okay, yes, that was great. We talked about that movie. Let's continue on here because the hour grows late. But uh, just getting those things, you know, everybody needs that. Everyone needs an accountant. Everyone needs people who are good with the numbers. Yeah. Um, so uh, we each have our own set of skills. But in putting together the schedule, that's one of those things where you're just beating your head against the wall sometimes because you're trying to figure out how do we shoehorn this many hours yep. into this thing. Speaking of the schedule, because I, I couldn't help but think about this, uh, when you both were talking about the just the, the sheer variety of films, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have documentaries about farming, you, you have uh, all, all kinds of different things going on, and I imagine uh, subject-wise, some things are rather serious, some things are rather funny. Um, when you go into creating the schedule for the films, do you purposely try to almost like curating a playlist, like try to, you know, put things that make sense together? Or are you just kind of like, you know what, it fits within this time slot. It just works. Here's a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. <clears throat> everybody, everybody listen really closely. So when we sit down, we have the list of, we, we know how, how many hours we can program. We sit down with a spreadsheet with all the blocks, colored, nice colors and times and everything. And just start pulling longest to shortest into the timeline. Say, okay, we have uh, an hour and a half long documentary. We need to toss that in there. Okay, what's the next longest? What's the next longest? What's the next? Start throwing them into the thing, making sure because uh, one of our one of the one of the great things about our festival is that we show every film twice. Really, lots of festivals only do one screening. We've we have from very early on have done two screenings. Why two screenings? Because it gives people an opportunity to see a film that. Say they were in one of one of the other theaters, and they missed out on this film, so they can go see it later on. So you space them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're right. not playing. We're not playing the same film opposite itself. We're like playing. You know, if you've got a, a Saturday morning screening, maybe your other screening is Friday night or Saturday night. Okay. So it gives it gives people an opportunity to see more films. You know, you're not stuck. Well, I missed that film. I guess I can't see it. Well, and it makes sense because if you have what was it, fifty-one mm-hmm. films? If you have fifty-one films, I mean, that's 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 a lot to remember, right? You know, I mean, oh, yeah. for, I mean, for a lot of them. So yeah, I think giving people the benefit of seeing it, you know, either if they liked it once, they want to see it again, or if they didn't catch right. it the first time, right? Well, and it gives the filmmaker, you know, twice as many eyes on their film. It's true. You know, they get more exposure that way. So yeah, so a lot of that is taking taking longest to shortest initially, and just saying where can we slot these in, into the into the schedule. Mm-hmm. And once we've kind of figured out, okay, we've got the space kind of worked out. We know where things can fit. Then it's a matter of going back and saying, okay, what's going to play well with this? What's what's going to what uh, you know what can we play opposite a film? You know, is there is there are there a couple of films that we know that you know based on past experience sure. that are probably going to have a different audience. You know, a different target audience. We, you know, com- do we feel comfortable putting those two films in separate theaters, mm-hmm. you know, opposite one another, and it's not going to create too many headaches? But it, it, a lot of it comes down to where you know we've got a fifteen-minute block here. Mm-hmm. What fifteen-minute film will fit in here, and what what fifteen-minute film, especially when when you're thinking in terms of shorts. You know, you might have a bunch of five-minute, ten-minute shorts. You know, you want to stack those up, and and you want to make it's kind of a, an interesting dance between I want to make films that play nice with one another, but mm-hmm. I also want to make them different enough that people see something different. Like they might have gone to see, uh, you know, a, a hip hop music video 
cool. Maybe the next one is a short horror film or a short documentary or yeah. something. Just, you know, we don't try and say, oh, this is our documentary block or yeah. this is our music video block or this is our horror block. You know, sure. it's, it's, it's mixing them up just so that people can see a variety. If they only, you know, if they only have a couple hours to spend, if they only can come to one block, they have the opportunity to see a variety of things, mm-hmm. you know, if, they, if they're so inclined. If they want to see, I, you know, I'd like to check out a documentary, maybe a couple of shorts and a couple of comedies. Hey, if I, if I go to, you know, Saturday morning, I can catch this, this, this would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Mostly based on time, but, but yeah, we try and curate it to some degree that is feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eric's exactly right. Sometimes you try and pair things together that work. Other times you want to change things up a little bit for the audience. Well, the audience maybe wouldn't have attended these two things together, but it will expose them to something new. Mm-hmm. So if they hang out for that block, you go, wow, that was something I wouldn't have necessarily sought out, but to see it was a really good experience. And, no, and the schedule is never going to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's always going to be something that we'll look and say, God, I really wish we could have put this film with this film. Or a filmmaker will come you know, and say, why was my film programmed then as opposed to then? And it's like, well, you know, that's just that's the where it fit best in the block. We've got a lot of films we need to program, and uh, you know, it's 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 where we could it's where we could fit it in, and and it's it's where it works. So, well, that's an interesting challenge. I mean, you try and do the best you can, but once you release these things, everyone's got their own perspective of, sure. oh, well, my film's against this thing, or it's at this time. It's like. Okay, yes. I mean, if you're looking at it from just your point of view, sure, that maybe isn't the best lineup for you, but it's where it worked. And then there's always the inevitable audience question. Um, okay, so I'm coming to this block. Which films should I see? Should I go into this film? Should I go into, the, should I should I go into theater one first and then go to theater two for this okay, film? Like what would you think? perfect strategy like, for figuring this out. Yeah, what do you the, the general, what, what's good? Yeah, Everything's good. That's the best we wouldn't one. put it on the screen if it wasn't good. But yeah. they... It's like the it's like that old question of what's your favorite movie, oh, which God. is one I can never ever answer. No, it's but impossible. to have a, it's impossible. a general audience member come, oh, what should I see? I I don't know. <laughs> what what do you like? Give me any any clues to go on. You, you know, it, it, it just it, it's making me think of a of a few things. Like I mean, one. I think it's great actually that a festival has so many different entrants into it because that's to me one of the favorite parts of of movies and and filmmaking and it could just be because I'm open-minded but I I love it when I go into either something blind you know I didn't see the trailer for it I don't know anything about the filmmaker this is a genre I never touch and then you walk away you're like oh my god like you almost are at a loss for words because you're just like, I, I would never have seen that coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's just interesting for the average moviegoer as well because so much of the you know, exhibition experience and going out to a theater is you probably reserved your ticket ahead of time, you got your seat reserved, you know exactly what you're in for, you probably studied the marketing or watched like three trailers beforehand. Whereas this... It's so different because you're going into movies virtually blind, knowing very little, I assume. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff on the website that talks about, like, the the blocks and the scheduling and whatnot, but you still don't know really much of anything. So you don't know what you're going to get. I think that's exciting. To it's me, very that, that's very exciting experience. That's why I like going to uh, you know both our festival and other festivals too, where you just go. This is this is an interesting body of work that I wouldn't have seen. Certainly wouldn't have seen together sure. anywhere else. What other festivals have you guys been to? 
Oh, Julian Dubuque is good. Dubuque's, uh, Dubuque's an amazing festival. I mean, they're they're an internationally recognized, you know, movie maker. One of movie makers' top fifty festivals. They do a wonderful job up there. Iowa Independent Film Festival is a, a good festival. Um, Oneota. I mean, this is obviously pre-recorded, but Oneota up in Decor is happening right now. Um, uh, Snake Alley is a good. There, there's there are so many festivals in Iowa. If, if you can't find a festival and a film that you're enjoying, that you want to enjoy, then you're not looking hard enough because there are festivals aplenty. So I want to ask about some of the partnerships that I noticed that you guys have mm-hmm. um, between Produce Iowa, the, the Wired Group, of course, Collins Row. We talked about that. But some of these other partnerships, I was hoping you could maybe elaborate a, bit, a little bit about what they bring to the festival, You know, their involvement with it. Uh, we could start with Produce Iowa. Well, Produce Iowa is the state uh, film office, essentially. And so they're the the hub of contacts for people doing production in the state, people bringing production into the state. Mm -hmm. And they've got a a lot of resources, uh, lists, and contacts of people that, hey, we're looking for uh, X number of crew members or this type of person or a location scout or anything to do with the state of Iowa, especially coming from outside. Or we're looking for locations. Mm Mm-hmm. So they, they are, are the, call it the administrative contact for the state in terms of production. And they've been uh, wonderful partners with us, helping us get the word out about the festival. Sure. Uh, helping uh, various productions have contact with the state. So it's just a, a good uh, uh, administrative partner with the state uh, and with all the festivals to keep us connected as, a, as an Iowa entity. And, uh, and they're exceptionally they're very supportive of all the all of all the film organizations all the festivals in in the state it's it's really great now how many like now i assume like is this the organization that if i don't know let's say i was part of a major studio film and i wanted to shoot in iowa would i potentially talk to this mm-hmm. organization and get that to happen this yep. should be your first call yep it should be the first call because yeah i i mean of course I, i'm not someone that understands fully how you go about whether you decide to shoot in this state or not and tax laws and things like that there's a whole i'm sure there's a lot of red tape like anything else right sure um but yeah i just think it's interesting to understand like how many you know movies actually just get shot here past just the ones that are being shot independently sure Um, sure well there's quite a few i mean we start looking around there's things that are shot here that you don't don't realize we're shot here necessarily uh, just like many productions go to Canada or various other things that are played off as a different location, Iowa stands in for lots of places and has been itself many different times. Mm-hmm. What about the Wired Group? Uh, Wired Group, that is my uh, my employer, Wired Production Group. Uh, full service <clears throat> event uh, and video production company. Uh, you know, our our one of our big we we have two things. We we do corporate events primarily and concert events so like you know if you see the led screens at a concert and you know we do the led screens and the sound and the lighting and the staging for 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 concerts what stuff have you done and uh has has wired been a part of in the area here um we do we do the uh mississippi valley fair we do a bunch of stuff uh, we we have a really good relationship with several of the casinos for their outdoor shows and indoor shows um 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of the smaller like we don't we don't do a lot of really huge acts, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have a, a crew that travels with uh, with country artist Cody Johnson, okay. uh, which has been a really a really uh, fun thing. I've gotten to, to go on uh, go on a couple of those shows and and uh, work for that. That's that's a lot of fun. The concerts are really fun. That's that's kind of one of the I look at it as one of the perks of the job is I get to go see see uh, you know see concerts and i mean i'm sure i'm standing behind a camera but what the heck you know but then we do a lot of corporate stuff a lot of a lot of corporate events and you know gala event type of things uh and then we also do traditional video production do you ever look for you know i mean like any other corporate sponsors or do you you know look for other partners that are interested in contributing or i i guess i'm I'm just curious how you acquire the you know the business side of it sure always interested in people who are are wanting to support community events Mm -hmm. Uh, it's usually pretty easy to find folks that are interested in doing that Uh, of course they've got limited funds so they've got to select who who and what they're going to support Mm -hmm. but uh, looking for people who are interested in building up the arts community in Iowa Uh, certainly films is an interesting and fun way to do that uh, as well I would say uh, probably probably wired in theory could be a film crew if someone right. were so inclined, we've got a lot of people who have, produ- you know, who are in the production industry or have been in the production industry. Mm-hmm. So oh. yeah, they were a natural fit for all sorts of reasons. So I also want to ask you guys just about some of the the past filmmakers that have come out of the festival and films that either have one of the awards or they you know garnered a lot of audience attention and whatnot. Um, what would you guys consider to be just some overall past successes? I mean, we're going. I'm going to mention Brian. Uh, the, oh my God, like the Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Scott Beck and Brian Woods. That's what I was trying to say. But um, I mean, just what are some of the the successes that you've seen from people that have been a part of the festival? Well, those guys obviously are the biggest names that uh, you know that yeah that kind of become household names now. Um, We've had a lot of people who whose names you wouldn't recognize, but are participating in massive productions we had some folks that were um, submitting films that were like pas on some of the batman movies mm-hmm. uh, at one point we had uh, gary oldman was in a short film that was submitted by someone who knew him through their other production experience and this was one of their first short films they were doing so they had wow. a couple different names like that uh, in there but i would say you're not going to recognize a lot of names. Like we don't have bold-faced marquee names necessarily, but a lot of production in Iowa is a couple of steps away from those things. Sure. Like they're on the crew, they're on the set. They might not be on the poster necessarily, but they are certainly involved in some big name things. Yeah, and we don't think, you know, when we say, oh, we've had several filmmakers that have come through our festival that are now successes. Yeah, we're not talking about the marquee names. We're talking about, hey, this person came through the festival as a young filmmaker as a student yeah and now they're actually you know working in a major market y'all and they're and they're making a living at it and they're and they're happy with what they're doing there's a lot of different definitions of what i mean first just for what success means to people i think i mean that's something that's a whole subject in and of itself but certainly in entertainment um you know the average audience member should understand that there are more people besides the people on the poster the people that are in the main credits you know the associate producers executive producers the writers and cinematographers like there are a lot of people that make that stuff happen for sure and yeah i mean you're absolutely right there are people that for years and years they they can get steady work and work on some great projects creative projects and they'll never be heard of Mm -hmm. you know 
but that's not what it's about, right? Well, there's even some production houses in the state that you wouldn't necessarily, average person wouldn't recognize by name. Yeah. But they are contributing graphics, they're contributing video, they're contributing other production and editing services. If you sit through the credits of a major motion picture, you're looking at thousands of people who are participating in one way or another. And you don't necessarily know where they're at. Yeah. Especially for like for VFX and things like that, you don't have to be anywhere for that. That's all, you know, done on your computer. You can be in another country or whatever. You know, I still say to this day, um, might be a little bit of a squirrel moment here, but like, you know, Academy Awards are going to be coming up here. Um, actually, what day is the Academy Awards? I should probably, I should probably a know week that from now or so soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there's several categories just in the awards space that you know don't really get their their due credit. You know, um, one of the ones that comes to mind for me is the stunt community. I do not understand for the life of me why these people that are literally risking their life and quite literally limbs Mm -hmm. are are not recognized for the craft. Um, Not to say that, again, the award is going to be the end-all, be-all of their career, but it's like if they're they're putting the blood, sweat, and tears of this thing, like, I mean, they, they, these movies do not happen uh, without them. And, and again, I'm just trying to tie that back to what you guys are talking about with some of these people that don't, you know, they might not be a marquee name, as you said, but they, they made this happen. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of those people, certainly. Um, I also want to ask just more of a, this is kind of more of a general question, but, you know, someone like myself, guys, I, I'll be perfectly frank with you. I, if I could cover, like, you know, go back in time into a time machine, I'd probably go back into film school or, and, and who knows, maybe one day I Do you guys just say you're right. still young? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's never too late, but... I know for a long time for someone like myself and, and there's other people I know where the, the creative arts and, and that field, it almost seems like unobtainable in a way where it's like, how can I even make a sustainable living off of like doing some of this stuff? Because, you know, people eventually, you know, they get caught up into a career and then they get bills. And before they know it, they're like, well, my time is already spread thin. I'm I'm now in a place where putting the effort I want to do into this, I don't know if I could give it the all I want to give it to. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm not saying you guys have the defining answer for that. There is none in life. But I just think with the space that you operate in and that you get to connect with creatives on the festival and your own experience and whatnot, what would you say to people that are trying to get some hope or some sort of direction as far as how they can contribute to the creative arts and and not lose <laughs> lose their livelihood over it sure i would say start small start in some manageable ways that uh you can kind of dip your toe in a little bit we talked about how easy product or how how accessible production has become more than ever uh, today mm-hmm. i was just involved tangentially and, and briefly uh with some filmmakers who were part of a 48-hour film festival challenge and they had taken it upon them. They were just professional guys. They had taken it upon themselves to shoot their entire project on the phone. So just remove all of the extra pieces and say, okay, we're shooting everything on the phone. It's going to be real simple. We're just going to run a gun and, and get through this at a, a lower technical investment compared to what they were doing for major features and things. So I would say invest your creative energy into bite-sized chunks. Uh, one of the things that I have done is work with filmmakers on their script, uh, just do some script consulting. 
And that, yeah, it takes a fair amount of time while you're doing it, mm -hmm. but is not something you've got to invest months of your life at a time into where going onto a film set would. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to uh, both attend the festival and then network with some folks to just, hey, let's kick around some ideas. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to make some, some scripts, make some outlines, yeah. share some story concepts and just discuss them. So I would start some small pieces and just see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're interested in just kind of seeing what it's about, you, maybe you don't have any experience at all, but you think that sounds kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Get, yeah, get in touch with, with filmmakers. Talk to talk to filmmakers at the festival and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, what what are you? What's your next project? You know, you know, if there's a film that you thought, hey, this is great. I really want to talk to this this filmmaker. You know, talk to him. Say, hey, you know, what are you what are you doing next? Uh, you know, do you need any help? Uh, you know, I'd love to yeah. just I'd love to just come and and uh, you know help out on your set as a as a production assistant or or whatever. I can yeah. help help with just you know just to get exposed to the to the industry, just to get exposed to the, the to the you know to the production mm -hmm. you know, environment. I think what I've learned and and I've you know I've I've taken those small steps as you said, and in certain cases I think I've taken larger steps as well. But the constant through line that I heard from what both you say and any other people I asked this question to is the proactiveness of this. Because I think that's ultimately the first place I find that you really have to start with is the opportunity does not just come to you. You, you, need, to, you need to put the work in, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, like you, you have to absolutely reach out and do it. Even if you get told no a thousand times and a thousand times over, you, you have to you have to have the will in you to take those chances and put yourself out there. And I, I think if you can just accept that and know that you got to do it, I mean, and it's hard. It is no, not, it's, it's it is not, not an easy thing to do. No, no, it's absolutely not. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I've never had my creative teeth kicked in a few times. <laughs> um, but I, I just try to think, you know, try to be resilient about it and, and understand that you don't learn without those past you know, past uh, times in your life. Um, and again, I just, I try to promote that message to my audience when possible is just really don't give up on it and know that you gotta, you gotta get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You're going to have to experience things that you don't do and it's not going to go perfect. It's not sure. But people, I, I've noticed any success I've had in my own life has come because people I think can recognize that there's a hunger that I at least have, and I have a willingness to learn, and I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong either. That, that's another big thing I would tell the creative folks that's, out there: don't oh, be afraid certainly. to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you can't can't let the pride get in the way too much. You know, that's how we grow. Sure. Um, get out there and try some stuff. I mean, the, absolutely. The most important thing to realize, I think, is that any creative person has something unique in the sense that no one else has your lived experience, no one else has your background or the perspective that you're looking at things. Think of any of the great films that we've seen. Someone had that idea, and they wouldn't have had it had it not been for everything else that came before in mm -hmm. their life. I gotta change this out one more time, and then we're gonna, we're gonna start wrapping up. All right. the longest you've sat and talked to somebody you have to think about that for a little bit right oh hours and hours <clears throat> have you really sat with someone and like talked for like literally like hours and hours there's mm -hmm. some people i don't see especially filmmaker people 
who we get into it and you suddenly go, oh, they're closing the bar and this is happening. <laughs> now we're standing in the parking lot and no, good, I should have left hours and hours ago. <laughs> oh yeah, I get rolling. It's hard to shut me up. Some of the best, some of the best conversations you can have though are the ones where you you don't plan on it and before you know it, you're just like, holy god, like did three hours just passed by. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my lord. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm gonna go back to just what we were talking about before. Now, let, let's hit everybody with the key details of the festival. Let's, let's review the dates, times. Let's, let's go through that one more time. April 14th through the 16th, mm-hmm. uh, starting at about 1.20 on the 14th, going till about 10.30 that night, starting at 9 a.m. on Saturday, going through again about, uh, well, the, the films are showing through about 9.30, and then there's the Eddie Award Ceremony brought to you by Farmer State Bank. Thank you, Farmer State Bank. Thank you, Farmers. We'll put a little plug in there for those folks. Um, and we do the Eddies. And then on Sunday, uh, the uh, Student Cinema Sunday um, activities start at noon and go through about 4 o'clock. Now, is the award ceremony at Collins Road Theater still? Yep. Okay. And how does it how does it work? Like, do you do it in one of the auditoriums? Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Mm-hmm. It's in one of the auditoriums, and it's also <clears throat> included in uh, any ticket purchase if you'd like to attend the awards. Someone could just, they could, they could show up as long as they got a, they got a ticket. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. If That's they nice. came to, if they came to Friday afternoon and they didn't go to any other ones, they still, they're still welcome to come to, come to the Eddie's. That's awesome. Far, far as like, you know, screen speak goes and, and whatnot. Um, I, I'm obviously hopeful to continue doing some content with you guys, mm-hmm. uh, doing things like that. Um, do you guys have any other podcasters that are going to be present at all? I don't think so. Aware of anything? Not, not, not uh, their recording. Okay. Well, we I might have I, some that attend uh, that attend, but not as, but, but more as probably as filmmakers than as sure as podcasters. Well, I'm hopeful to obviously take an active involvement with that, and we can talk about that. Off. Certainly. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> off, no, I think off, I think it would be great to get some of our filmmakers to to sit in with you. I think I think and I think uh, several of them could offer offer both uh, affirming and contrasting uh, opinions to what Scott and I offer, um, you know, about this festival experience and about their experiences as being filmmakers. Final questions that I got for you guys. Uh, one, if if I if either of you, you know, you talked about the impossible name your favorite movie question. I, I can't stand the question <laughs> myself. <laughs> Maybe favorite movies, but even that's a stretch if you're not in the right mood and, and whatnot. Right. What are just some favorite entries that have come across from the festival that you're like, man, I remember that thing like you know from ten years ago, and it still sticks with me. I remember one from twenty one years ago. Uh, and it stuck with me for the sense of it absolutely fit the spirit of the festival. Uh, it was called Always Greener. Always, I was going to say Always Greener. Put, put together by uh, some college students, I think we determined. College or high, maybe Co- high school? College, college students at the Maharishi International yes, University in Fairfield. Okay. Because the production quality was fine for college students, but it was the writing and the inventiveness of the story. Because it was kind of a, a madcap small town uh uh just various elements of you know run by a a, a villainous perfume magnate <laughs> and just side of the uh, kids out on the town doing their thing and lose a backpack get confused with somebody else's backpack hijinks ensue you got the so, same sack you got the same sack so yeah you got you got our stuff so just a, a mistaken property switch so it's an old trope of we've seen it before, but yeah. they did such a great job of executing it, and they had such characters, uh, and it was just funny. They had just inventive ways to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. So that was always stuck with me. 
uh, there was another short too called the uh, the audition that was a mockumentary before that was really a thing i mean it was kind of in a lull you had spinal mm-hmm. tap and that stuff but right. this was in a time where there weren't really mockumentaries happening and it was such a great thing of an actor who is incredibly full of himself uh, aspiring actors i'm going to be part of this play and so he he goes to audition and he's made all these preparations in sort of bizarre ways of you know trying to figure out who he should talk to how he should prepare and gets there and he's he is not ready at all but in his mind he thinks he's awesome so there were just some wonderful things of of uh some great writing there of we should uh encourage oh he's getting critiques from the guy and he says what do you think i should do i think i think you should get some tools and I don't mean metaphorically. I mean some actual tools because we need someone to build the sets. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. Um, I also remember uh, remember Rigor Mortis. Yeah, yeah. Rigor Mortis, a zombie, zombie zombie musical. A zombie musical. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, it was it was an ambitious film. And it was it was just fun. It was great. Do you remember how long it was? Uh, it was at least an hour. Yeah. Might really? be a full feature. That was Jenny Dewis, you know, Stolte at that time. Uh, yeah, so it was just one of those like swing for the fences. We're gonna make a zombie movie that's also a musical. Yeah. We've had a few musicals. Yeah, oh, yeah, years. we've had a few. We that's have we have one this ambitious. year. Yeah, I think I mean, I guess another weird pun intended, but guts. You have to have guts. I'm not just saying it because of zombies. You know, that, <laughs> sorry, that's a bad joke running in my head. Uh, but I I really think it's like you really have to have some guts and have some vision behind some of these projects that like you put together and you know somebody sees like zombies and musicals are like how does, you gotta how does take that the work? I mean yeah I mean there's a risk you know is this gonna if I put this together is it gonna fly is it gonna be crap or or people are actually gonna yeah. want to see this am I gonna be able to get through the whole thing you know well Again, this all falls back on on the on the team aspect of, of filmmaking you know knowing that you've got the right people. You know, supporting you and helping you do it. Well, being a movies podcast, I, I I'll have this be the final question, and then I'll say my final piece, and then we'll 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 finish this up. What are the favorite movies? Right? Yeah, this is the cliche question, oh, but, I, but I'll, so hard I'll, I'll ask with. you some. So I'll never go with one, um, but I, I like you know, The Dark Knight is good. The Matrix is good. Sure. Um, Guy Ritchie's uh, Snatch, the British gangster. Yeah, thing from you, you gonna see the new one, the Operation Fortune? Uh, I just heard about it. Yeah, so the guy I, just I came out like today eventually. at the time of recording. So yeah, those things, and even you know, small schmaltzy things. I like uh, A Wonderful Life. I revisit now and again, and then sort of a more modern version of that of uh, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Love me some Nicolas Cage. So there, in any of those stuff, you know, it just depends on what mood you're in. Yeah. Oh man. You don't have to ask those questions. Yeah, well, I, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to pull up Iowa Film Facebook page because I know I answered that question uh, a couple months ago. I'd pull up, pull up Iowa Film and see what I see what I said. Um, Ghostbusters. I could watch Ghostbusters over and over and over again without uh, without tiring of it. Um, back to the Future, another one. Oh yeah, Back uh, to the Future, sure. Uh, Rares of the Lost Ark. Um, I you know grew up obviously on Star Wars, yeah. uh, so Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I also like, uh, um, you know, everybody says, oh, I, I, I love Citizen Kane. It's so good. Uh, Citizen Kane's okay, but I actually like Touch of Evil because uh, getting Charlton Heston to pull off being a Mexican guy is, is a riot. <laughs> it's like when John Wayne's trying to play Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and speaking of John Wayne, I love Stagecoach. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Trying to think. I, I suppose I should throw some into the ring uh, just because we're yeah, talking better. about this. Uh, 
I think I told you when I met you guys, Goldeneye, very formative for myself. Uh, Signs, M. Night Shyamalan movie, uh, also very good. Um, personal favorites, Lethal Weapon, um, oh, yeah. Adam Sandler and Rain Over Me. I feel like that movie mm. does not get nearly enough sure. love. That one, I, I surprisingly haven't done a podcast on that one yet. It's like a very, very personal movie to me. Um, trying to think of some other ones lost in translation that's like a good one when it's like it's a rainy day and like i just i'm feeling lonely and depressed like i just want to watch bill murray in a bathrobe in japan like this this <laughs> sounds right up my alley um otherwise like i i have a pretty wide palette of stuff like i i love matt reeves planet of the apes trilogy um i i think he did remarkable work with that yeah um not just for the motion capture but for the story and like making mm -hmm. apes be seen in the serious light like not just seen as like animations it's like there's a real performance behind that um some of the bigger movies you mentioned like dark knight of course uh i also do love it's a wonderful life i've seen that on the big screen two times it's uh really yeah, oh, yeah interesting. yeah i mean i you know jimmy stewart i'm not about to botch a jimmy stewart impression it's been done to death <laughs> but um love him um and i try and i try to watch some of like the you know the classics the the things that have shaped cinema if sure. you will because that, that's one thing i definitely learned um from going to school from graphic design is that almost almost everything is not truly original it's always mm, drawn yeah. and borrowed off of something like you're almost always taking something and then putting your stamp on it and, yep. and then it evolves and builds and, and that's just, that's just how it works um but yeah I, I could i could talk you guys ears off about all the classic films and whatnot but I will go ahead and wind this down because I think you guys have been generous with your time. I'm very excited for the, the festival. And I really do sincerely hope that the audience that's listening comes out. Check it out. I mean, seriously, uh, what, what, what year is this at the festival? I mean, it's 20. 20? Yep. Is there going to be something special happening for 20? Or I mean, because sometimes people do something on those milestone years, you know. But I don't know. Well, let's see. We'll see, yeah. Some surprises, possibly. Possibly. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, come out and support us because, really, we can't. We do all this work and we can't uh, succeed without an audience. Yeah. The audience is really the, the final linchpin key part. So if it's something you're interested in and something you'd like to see, we need an audience. Something I – this is a perfect thing, I think, to end this on. And I know several people who I won't throw under the bus that, that do this, but entertainment – today and how it's consumed of course has evolved massively i mean you guys know this uh, between oh, yeah. between streaming and unfortunately there's there's pirating services where people are just they're not even watching off disney plus and these streaming services mm -hmm. or even the theater you know they they watch on these things but i i know several people that do that sort of thing and they're just like ah, I, don't, I don't need to go to the theater like oh why I, I don't need to deal with the crowd I, I can just watch it at home i don't need to pay anything and i'm like you know what you might be able to get by a few times with that and sure you might not see the effect that that has but if you want people to be able to pursue this with their all and give their time their money their energy you gotta put your money where your mouth is i i, I mean i speak very passionately about this because i'm like you got to support it with your wallet yep i mean you have to otherwise like how how do you expect someone to do this? Do you think the government's going to pay for it, or ch they're going to get charity from somebody? Probably right, not. Right. Right. So I just I, I'm very very big on 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 saying that message out to people is that you need to support art if it's something that you really care about. And financially, of course, there's other ways to support besides financial support. 
but financial support. I mean, let's face it, that's how the bills get paid. Exactly, exactly. Well, and you know, you bring up a good point because you can you can watch everything on your iPad or your iPhone at home now. Um, yeah. But there is nothing that compares to seeing a film in a theater with an audience to get that communal experience as well as just to feel the reactions of other people. And especially when you come to a festival, um, you know, where it's not a given, like I said, you know, Ghostbusters, I could watch over and over again. When was the last time I saw it in a theater? A long, long time ago. Would I go to see it in a theater again now? Right now I would go because there's just something about going to see it. Yeah. And to those people that, you know, a lot of people don't like going to the theater because crowds, noise, you know, rudeness, whatever. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I, I'll avoid theater sometimes because if I know a film is going to have a raucous crowd that I, I'm not going to be able to enjoy the film. Right. One thing about our, our audiences is they're very respectful. Yeah. We have, we have great, great audiences that are, are respectful of the, of the filmmakers, respectful of the other patrons. Um, you know, they, they react to the films you know how they're going to react, but they aren't rude. Um, it's 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 really it's it's a, a positive experience. They're yeah. very nobody comes to our film festival wanting to cause trouble, no, or make and, and a scene. Being there helps you focus. If you're you're sitting at home on your couch, there's too many distractions. Mm-hmm. Oh God, absolutely. Your phone's right there. Your other <clears throat> you know people come in and out. You might even just yourself pausing. Oh, I need to I need to leave. I need to use the bathroom. I need to go get some food or something. But to sit in the auditorium and go, I'm I'm dedicated to this experience right now. Yep. It it focuses you and changes your your viewing so much. And absolutely. it's an experience. It's less I'm just watching something as I'm experiencing something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely add to this. And I. Th- I think I actually may have told uh, Bruce Taylor this when I had him on the podcast for myself. And, and I've been told, and I, I, I stand up against this. <laughs> I stand up against this. Some people are like, you know, you, you're like, you know, you're too strict on movies. Like, I can't talk. I can't even get up. I can't even pause it. Because I really, if I have the option, I, I want to sit through in one sitting. And I want to see it from start mm-hmm. to finish. No interruptions. I am watching it. <laughs> Now, I should never have you over to my house to watch films <laughs> with my kids. Obviously, I'm not that big of a hard ass. Like, I, I understand. Well, I would kid. love to sit next to you at a theater. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I, I am your dream. I'm a dream theater customer. Like, you won't hear a peep from me. Now, the reason I have such kind of a, a passion for it, it's not like some strict attention that I'm like, I, I'm obsessed with it like that, but it's because I appreciate the craft. I appreciate the work and the time and the sweat and tears that go into it. And the way I kind of look at seeing a movie is not all that dissimilar from seeing a stage play. And that if I'm going to see that, people have been rehearsing potentially for months. They're learning the lines. They're doing all this stuff. Like, they are going to give it their all on this stage right now. And I am going to sit there and watch it because that is what they have done for their work. And, And this is their work paying off. And I'm going to experience it. To me... It is a massive disservice if I get on my phone or if I'm talking and, and doing these things. Because I'm like, that basically shows that somebody dedicated this huge chunk and portion of their life. And I'm just like, you know what? This text message from Papa Murphy's on 25% off a of pizza matters more <laughs> than your film. I don't, I don't, you know, I just, I, I respect the art too much to do that. And, and hopefully more people can do that. And, and I think the, the ones that, that really care, they'll do that. And you guys mentioned it with your crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I have no doubt when I go, I would experience that. Absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, hopefully next time you go out to a theater, just make sure that you bear in mind that people work really hard for this stuff. Yep. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Any final words that you guys would like to say about the festival? Anything else that's on your minds? I definitely encourage people to come. Uh, it's such a interesting window into things you wouldn't necessarily encounter in mainstream cinema. Yeah. Uh, and not because it's, um, so vast a field it's just things that are explored uh, intimately things that are uh, very close to our community in many cases um, the other thing that's that's so interesting to sit there is because everything's Iowa connected you see a lot of your area in a light that you wouldn't uh, I'm always impressed <clears throat> to see things that are shot in Cedar Rapids things that are shot in surrounding towns to go Wait a second! I recognize that's the thing. They're they're doing this story around this, but it's right there. You know, it's Green Square Park. It's it's uh, you know a square in Marion or something. Yeah. And you go. I understand what that is. To see your community on the big screen in that way is a very interesting experience. And I do one thing that maybe we didn't touch on, and, and I tried to make this very very. Uh, clear to people mm-hmm. it's not an Iowa film festival that that is only full of local films they have to have an Iowa connection either by by a, a filmmaker or, or a cast member you know grown up or, or worked or was educated in the state or the film has to have something Iowa about the story or about an Iowa you know, true, true to life person or a fictitious person but that doesn't mean that they can't be from anywhere we get films from all over the place all over the country, mm-hmm. overseas, uh, you know, they're not—they're not rural only films. They are world class cinema. I mean, they're—it's—it's yeah. it's amazing stuff. So don't, don't, don't. Uh, and this actually came up uh, a question on Facebook a, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked, "Oh, isn't that just for local films?" Right. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And and you won't come out of you'll you'll see things you know you'll see things you recognize but you'll feel and you'll experience stories that don't always feel like iowa mm-hmm. yeah i think that says it right there i mean I, I i really think everybody if you take the time to come to this festival you're going to have an experience you will not get anyplace else uh and it's also just a great way i think to support obviously your local theater the local people that are in the area trying to make a difference with their art. And, and yeah, you, you coming out says a lot, says an awful lot. So definitely take the time to do so. But Eric and Scott, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and doing this. Uh, I got obviously a couple other uh, pieces of content that will be coming out for the festival. So look forward to seeing what you guys think about that. But um, would love to revisit with you too after the festival's wrapped up so we can kind of evaluate and, and see how things how things turned out absolutely so, well it's been a pleasure thank you for having yes, us thanks so much yeah so i was gonna say hopefully you didn't eat too much skittles you probably need a real meal after, after this <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not actually real food uh, no, skittles, these are fruit skittles so that's kind of a food group isn't it yeah, it's, mm. it's healthy you know my my wife she's she's a phd like she's a doctor she'll tell you right she'll she'll be that person that's just like you know there's not actually like real fruit in that it's all like syrup and chemicals <laughs> no. yeah I, I, you know the tie to the matrix i'll end on this Ignorance is bliss. That's right. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes Skittles Skittles and ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, guys. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.